Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 235! My name is NBZ, and I am down with the sickness uh, once more. I think for the second time in like three weeks. This is what happens when, you know, you go through a global pandemic and no one goes anywhere, and then suddenly you're like going places again. The, and it's winter as well. The sickness is, uh, is abound, uh, so I had like really bad... Well, to be honest, I think it was food poisoning the first time. Oh, it might have, might have been an illness, who knows? But the, the second time is certainly like a bona fide cold cough, all that sort of stuff. Nastiness. So um, I'm going to be doing a lot of editing on this episode, probably, hopefully, Uh-oh. so you guys don't hear that. But, um, Bali, how are you doing? I've heard you had a bit of illness as well recently. Yeah, I had like a three, four day cold, and then it went away, and um, now I'm fine. But, you know, Caroline's not. Yeah. She's got a pretty bad cold that just won't go away. The same cold, supposedly, and, and like yep. you, she doesn't have the best immune system but yeah yeah um, i feel like um so we're on episode 235 i think that if we were to guess how many intros you reference <laughs> your sickness at the start of an yeah. episode i reckon we're on about at least 20 at, at least probably at, maybe at least 30 um out of 235 episodes me, yeah me apologizing for my voice sounding weird because i'm sick probably quite a lot right yes um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe someone, if you know, anyone who wants to go out there and listen to 235 intros and can let us know, that would yeah. be great. You know, there are people who go back through the archives of podcasts. Certainly, there are people people who've written into the show before and said, "Hey, found the show, really loved it. Decided to go back and listen to all the episodes," which is frankly the greatest compliment of all time. Oh yeah, because that, um, that's awesome. That I used to really do that awesome. a lot with with podcasts. I did it mainly with Radio Free Nintendo, um, which they currently have what seven hundred and something, almost eight hundred. In- insane. Yeah, yeah for eight hundred like episodes. I started listening episode I think one seventy. So that tells you how long I've been listening to that podcast for. But when I started listening, I went back to the very beginning, which was a much more feasible task back then, uh, going through 150 or whatever episodes to catch back up. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good fun time and, and appreciate that. I attempted it and then gave up after about I don't know, 30, 40 episodes. I was like, I just can't, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And it was mainly because it's like, well, I've got new podcasts to listen to. It's not right. time to listen to old podcasts. Well, yeah, I mean, back when I was first listening to that show, I didn't really listen to many other shows. I yeah. maybe listened to like three or four other shows. So I, I basically was like, I love these shows. These are the ones I'm going to like dig deep on, essentially. And, and now we're on like 30, 40 other shows. Like, you don't even want to know. It's disgusting, my backlog <laughs> podcast. But um, anyway, it's, there's too much good stuff out there. But And, and we're one of them. Hey, we're a good we're... podcast. Um, Bali, hello. Hi. What's the show going to be today? Do you want to tell the fine folks at home? The show today is going to be the first segment. We're going to talk about the games that we have been playing. The second segment, we're going to talk through some emails and then the third segment we're gonna have a little chat about the game awards and make yeah. some some hopes and some predictions for all those awards minus um, the esports probably yeah exactly no because no one cares and no one knows um <laughs> at least in our uh, sphere of the world um in our circle yes yeah there was also an indie world which happened which we'll probably touch on lightly at some point um because there's some cool stuff that happened there as well but bali let's kick things off because there's a brand new video game that just came out mm. oh, new hotness uh, a video game that you know, broken. It's, it's technical achievements surpass God of War. You know, it's just one of the best looking games of all time. Everyone's raving about it. So, uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, almost going back to the blue and red ruby sapphire thing here, right? Like we're, I would say Scarlet is closer to red than Violet is to blue. But there's there's almost like a return to the the roots here from the naming perspective. Um, and I would say like that is the only way in which this is re- really returning to roots because this feels like a overall a pretty bold step forward for mm. the pokemon series generally the, now we, the bold step we've been crying out for for a decade yeah kind of like it, it feels like we're 
we're we're on the right path basically is what i'm going to say right mm. um and there's definitely some things that they can improve and things they can change but like i think when i talked about pokemon arceus early this year that was a revelation honestly like i think that game made so many smart changes and was just like a a different form of this thing that's been around for so long and and really didn't hold anything sacred right it I, and I do understand the difference here because there is there is still a lot of traditional Pokemon elements to this game that weren't in Arceus, but the bones of that game are replicated here and then some, and they really right. go further with it, right? Because where Arceus felt more like a monster hunter experience where you would go to a specific zone and that zone would be open, but it would still be limited in its size, um, and then you'd come back to like a hub area and co- go back out and all that sort of stuff, this does feel like a legitimate actual open world game and that is really exciting so when i first started the game i was like okay well this just feels like traditional pokemon i'm in, i'm walking slowly in my house they're doing slow dialogue it's like a very very uh, kind of um plodding on ramp like the- every pokemon game ever is a very slow to first two hours yeah exactly and uh you you basically walk out your house and you get to choose a pokemon you're like great okay um and you 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 keep walking with them down the path and i'm just walking down this path i'm like oh, this is fucking slow why am i just walking this whole time and i'm like where's my running boots or when am they gonna act and then randomly halfway down the hill they're just like oh anyway they don't even say anything you just start running i was like what the f-? this is super weird um so it's it like an feel, invisible checkpoint then you yeah just... it feels like it it feels like there's some weird like guardrails for kids there because like they don't know how to move a character around so they don't want to make them move fast to begin with or something but anyway that was only the the at the beginning and and after that you know things really do start to open up you do a little bit of like you find you talk to your neighbor and then she's cool and um and then you kind of talk to this professor guy and they're like hey let's go to school because it's your first day at school and there's this whole academy off in the distance you can see it off in the distance but before you get there they're like hey you know you can go run around with your pokemon do what you want and you know i could have just gone to the school right i could have gone straight there however there is a big space to explore and so what i did is i spent four hours just walking around this opening space and let me be clear this is not like a massive space from the map perspective if you look at the map the percentage of the map that this is it's probably about five percent and i spent four hours just combing through this area like running into pokemon finding uh pokeball things lying around they basically breadcrumb trail you in the way of like they have these you know the the items you'd find in pokemon games where you'd like walk behind a building and like oh there's a pokeball mm. oh it's a hyper potion cool or they had the invisible ones and stuff like that so they basically breadcrumb you around these world uh, around the world with these pokeballs that have like a bit of light glowing up from them and you you basically your eye is led to these things and you just start wandering and going towards them and you're just walking around and you're coming across different pokemon and you can basically you can throw your guy out and and fight them in, in the middle of the field and then it transitions into a traditional battle or you can do this thing that which they've introduced where you press r and you just kind of like let them go and they will just go and fight on their own and it will do like these mini battles where they're just off fighting and it will tell you like how much damage they're taking and stuff and then it's like oh you defeated this thing and it will give you a tiny little bit of xp and so you can basically just keep throwing your pokemon out 
and letting them go and just take on other ones in the world and you'll slowly just get a bit of xp as you're going along like similar to the way in which arceus allowed you to throw pokemon to do tasks which was like throwing them towards a tree to get like apricorns and stuff like that or like you know throwing them over to to pick things up or to to be useful in some way you can now throw your pokemon out to do battle on their own and they will just it's kind of like the earthbound thing right of like oh you you killed an enemy because you're too powerful and you just kind of walked over them you you don't have to do anything you're just you just keep running but you kind of send them off to do it uh which is is cool and it's, it's a nice like additional bonus thing that you can do but the the sense here of just space and exploration and what you can do is really going beyond and above anything that's been in a pokemon game before right like this is the kind of idealized version of what you want where you have this entire massive area and it's just filled with a variety of different pokemon from the very beginning like you think about traditional route one areas and route one has what like three pokemon maybe there's a pidgey or, or a ratata equivalent uh, every time and then there's maybe one thing that's a bit rarer but you know for the most part it's pretty kind of tame and here you have new pokemon you've got old pokemon you've got ones down by the water you've got ones who are higher up in different places because of the the region and, and the kind of the space that they're in um it's really cool and it means that you have a lot of choice and variety early on for what your team's going to be and i tend to be with these games these days is look i don't derive a huge amount of joy from the battling aspect anymore because once you've gone through the matrix and you see the ones and zeros once you've played competitive pokemon it's just like it becomes even more of a cakewalk than it was before right so the joy i derive from pokemon tends to be go into it blind not knowing any of the pokemon are don't i don't even know the evolutions of any of these starters at all right and so it's going in and being surprised by that um and i've been surprised quite a few times there is um so i'll get into kind of the main structure of of things a little bit later but there was a boss fight that i had where <laughs> where this this woman was on top of this like giant car thing and i was like i thought this was just a spectacle and then like the car was a pokemon i was like what the fuck <laughs> like what is going on she's like standing on top of this giant thing it looks like bowser's car from like 3d world when you fight him but have you got your like legendary car pokemon you know the well yeah thing, so yes later game no you get that straight away pretty okay, much yeah. so the the maridon and kuraidon i think are the two le- box legendaries right yeah but they are basically your bicycles throughout the game um you just ride on them essentially um and they they you know they help you get around and stuff like that but that doesn't really um come into things until a little bit later so that first area when i was exploring i was just on foot on and foot, um right. you know running around and uh there's some fun things you can do in terms of like so i posted a video of me quote unquote skyrooming up a thing right which basically is like you can't jump uh but you can slide and you basically do this slide into a crouch and it's basically like going into stealth mode but you can use that slide in some fun ways to like get around things so like there was this hill where i was like i swear if i get the right angle on this and i slide correctly i should be able to slide myself up onto this piece of geometry i wouldn't be able to get up to otherwise and i managed to do it i was like shit yeah then i get that pokeball and it was an item that i wouldn't have got otherwise um and i totally probably could have waited until i got my bike because the other thing about the bike is that it can jump so yeah i've seen that online there's these little videos of the thing jumping up mountains very much skyrimming it and yeah yeah. exactly uh so so i could have but i i kind of sequence broken away like i got it early there was another area later on near near a town where there was this kind of like fence and this fence was kind of cordoning off this other area slightly behind it you know before this big river and the fence goes all the way up into the rock and then there's this little gap and i was like hmm wonder if i slide like up that rock and it maybe slides me down the other side 
and it worked and i was like oh shit yeah like i i got past this thing that otherwise seemed impassable um because of just a little bit of ingenuity with that and obviously you know that's not going to get you super far in the game in terms of like breaking it or going anywhere but it's the nice little kind of like chaotic element that they've introduced here like almost a physicsy thing that has made exploration even more fun and just like especially from the beginning very enjoyable so um i'm currently about nine hours into the game uh which and and for context i have one gym badge okay so like this is if you want this to be a game that lasts you 100 hours it probably very easily will be um and i think it's just like the size of these areas you can just stay in them for ages right and you can go around and you can find trainers the other change they've made to trainers is that they don't like exclamation point you anymore so you can walk past them and they're not going to like stop you but also they're quite sparse they're like they're spread like very few of them like throughout these regions and so you kind of have to they're almost like rewards like you find a trainer you're like oh shit there's a trainer i should probably fight them because also when you go back to pokemon centers there's usually a guy there who's like anyway i'm from the league thing and if you fight six trainers in this area i'll give you a prize so you're almost incentivized to do it so that you get those bonuses um but yeah, that that is a bit of a change, and you can really get lost in just like it, it feels more survival esque. It feels does it feel more like the anime? The fact that it's so open and that you are you're not on just this one linear path. And it was the because of the linear path that the exclamation marks worked on trainers because that was the only right. path you could go. You'd have to fight the trainer and get exactly. Past yeah does they were this, blockades weren't they yeah right does this like make it feel a lot more like i've got all these options yeah i am a pokemon trainer i can do what i want kind of feeling like you kind of dreamed of growing up yeah it gives you a sense of adventure in a way that i don't think aside from arceus any other pokemon game has done and part of that as well is you know how many times did you use potions in pokemon games bali i'm willing to say almost never right like in the elite four maybe you would use them and you stock up but in regular gameplay when do you ever use potions here's the thing because this space is so big and wide and the don't want to go to the pokemon center right the space between pokemon centers and you can fly from the very beginning by the way there's no hms in this game you can just click on a thing and fly there which is again convenient as hell um because of that you are able to you feel like you're committed to when you're out in the open and the game is i will say a little bit harder as well like it feels like pokemon hit harder it feels like the level scaling when it comes to like areas you go to you're like you'll run across something that's a couple levels higher than you just because you you know you can go in whatever direction you want right like at the beginning it kind of gives you a choice of like oh you can go to the west or the east side and i went to the uh the east side which seemingly is a bit tougher and um and you will lose pokemon they will faint you will get paralyzed you will get all this stuff happen and oftentimes you'll be in an area where you're like oh i'm just exploring this space and there's this this kind of like set of rock tunnels and there are so many items around here and stuff like i don't know if i will be able to remember how to get back here because of how complicated and layered this entire area is Mm. do i really want to fly back to a pokemon center just to revive one pokemon no like i've used revives like three or four times because i'm like okay i want to stay out here i want to what if i come across something what if something pops up and you know you just have that sense of wanting to continue and not not break up your journey as it were and so i have found myself using potions constantly and using paralyzed heals and all those sort of things just to continue right just to keep that kind of it's almost a um not a war of attrition but it, mm. it is like how long can you stay out for before you really do need to go back to the pokemon center right right, right. <laughs> you, you need to break that off um which is very cool elephant in the room 
the way this game runs it's the number one thing that was brought up in reviews and you know i've really i've really listened to like blessing adiaria jr on kind of funny where he points out like yeah i gave this game four out of five because it's a fantastic game yes it doesn't run well but he he agrees with you like the new stuff it's doing in pokemon is incredible but so many reviewers have like knocked it for the way it runs and we can maybe get into like what are the reasons behind this game not running well and what do they do for next time but are you experiencing that because you're generally someone who is very sensitive to inconsistencies and maybe frame rate or the way Mm -hmm. things run yeah is it inconsistent or is it it, is it is it inconsistent or is it consistently inconsistent is what i'm trying to say how does it feel for you i know you're going handheld or docked okay so i've mainly played docked for the most part um this morning in the toilet i was playing handheld because of course you have to play handheld in the toilet unless you have a tv in your toilet you (laughs) sicko um and uh i i don't I don't think it's as bad as the internet is saying, frankly. Um, I think, okay, maybe okay, maybe I'm in this place right now where I am very forgiving for the Nintendo Switch and what it has done. I've just played Xenoblade, I've just played Bayonetta, you know, I'm playing this game. You know, we're in a place... I was thinking about this, uh, you know, recently of like, you know, traditionally consoles, they get, you know, games get more impressive as the years go on, right? If you look at The, the Last of Us compared to Uncharted 1, like, there's a vast gap in mm-hmm. terms of, like, how much better that game looks and, like, how they understood the hardware later in the life cycle and stuff like that. And the Switch feels like it's the opposite, where, like, <laughs> they started out with Breath of the Wild and Mario yeah. Odyssey, and, like, everything has looked worse since then, and I just don't know how or why that's happened, but it feels like developers that feels like a real bottleneck with this thing right like real real issues and so i i kind of expected this thing to run pretty poorly generally just as a result of that i haven't experienced like the massive crazy bug stuff that a lot of other people have so far and i think that is going to be a case-by-case basis right and some people will experience really terrible stuff and what you know there's just like a what when a game like this gets out to a big audience you're just going to inevitably have that happen yeah i've had like consistent things like after a battle the way that this works is like you can you go into a battle and you can move the camera around and like angle around the pokemon and stuff after a fight it will go into like oh here is what the pokemon is it gets added to your pokedex (laughs) and also like um here is uh you know that you're going to level up or whatever and for some reason the the ground just clips and it just clips into the ground and you can just see underneath the ground into the emptiness of like the abyss below and that consistently happens i'm like I don't really know why this is happening. Probably some weird mm. collision thing, but like, it doesn't bother me that much. Like, it's it definitely takes away from the immersion and the the polish factor. But I haven't had anything that's like game breaking or right. just like nightmarish in that same sense. You can see through it then, yeah. No, that's yeah. good. But like, do you think the 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 negative reviews even bother the Pokemon Company, or are they just looking yeah. at dollar bill signs? Because I, I think what's important about that question is it's great that pokemon has moved to like almost this new format where it is more open and it is open world and that's really exciting but if you think about the factors that have led to it, this game coming out in the way it has and like we've talked about how pokemon is annualized so they've, they've been under incredible time deadlines this is also the the pokemon company that hasn't really made this type of game before other than arceus on top of the fact that they're working with um very old hardware that it seems that only a handful of games have managed to maximize its use through games like breath of the wild and mario odyssey where you imagine the development cycles were far longer mm. and this leads me to the concern that 
if the Pokemon company are scared by these reviews, they might go backwards for the annualized right. game next year. And my fear yeah. is that if they don't go backwards and stick to open world, there's nothing that's going to change between now and November, December 2023 that's going to prevent them from putting out another buggy game. And I think that's yeah. a real shame and a concern. Um, I think that they don't give a shit about reviews, frankly. <laughs> like, the only thing that speaks for Game Freak and the Pokemon Company is money, baby. And um, look, this game is going to end up being in the top 10 of the best sellers on Switch. It just is. Like, that's just a fact. It's going to happen. There are already four Pokemon games in the top 10 best sellers on Switch, right? No matter how terrible this game is, if this game came along and gave you cancer, people would still <laughs> buy it, right? Like, there is a obsession and a kind of like a hardcore fan base to pokemon that just will not stop right and totally. and i think that yes clearly this game came in hot um but like it's always gonna be that way with these games they're made under such strict conditions within such a small period of time because of the marketing machine that pokemon is which we talked about before of like they've got merchandise for this shit they've got all of it set up there's like it is the most profitable franchise in the history of the entire fucking world so they have to hit these release dates. They do not delay Pokemon games. It literally never happens because of that. And um, and that's why I think that this is a great blueprint going forward. Can they continue to carry it? I, I don't know. I guess, like, it depends on... I th- Because the, the problem here is, is that it is really the technical stuff that's the big detractor, right? Mm. I actually think from a design standpoint, they fucking nailed it. Like, it's yeah. such a smart change and kind of to go into that right like you get to the school and you then have these three tasks ahead of you one of them is going and getting eight gym badges which you can get in any order right i have the grass gym badge i don't know if that's the first one everyone else got but it's the first one i got right and there are multiple options of there's there's this legendary hunt where you go and you're trying to find these titan pokemon these kind of like giant pokemon um and i fought one of those uh there's this um this almost team rocket style group called like the the star starfall team or something like that um and you're going after them as well so there are these three objectives that you have to take on and it puts all of them on your map and it's just like go and do whichever one you want whatever order you want it right like you don't have to you can walk past a town with a gym leader in it and be like i'll come back to that later and go really further up the map and be like i'm going to try and take this one on even though the pokemon are 10 levels higher than me let's see if i can challenge myself and do it right there is a there's a freedom to exploration and just doing whichever thing you want in whatever order you want that pokemon has never it's been afraid to do that right and now they're just letting you um and i think that is really special like it just it lends this sense of as i said your own adventure like your own path that you're charting through this world um and where you want to go what you want to do and you're constantly getting distracted along the way right just constant like little dopamine hits of like oh there's a little pokeball over there let's grab that oh that's a new pokemon i saw i came across a shiny so my third shiny i think of my entire pokemon career that i've managed to get um lechonk the little pig boy uh i found you got a shiny lechonk of all the pokemon is great because that is just like that's the face of this game so far you know on the internet i guess yeah exactly and um and i was like wow that's well the thing is here's the other thing though right because i am so tuned out of all the pokemon stuff going on I didn't even know if it was a shiny or not. I had to clarify mm. with like multiple people on discords just to be like, is this a shiny? Because 
regional variants exist right and there's there's right. like there's a tauros in this game that's like a a black colored tauros with like three tails and stuff like that and it looks really cool and that's a regional variant of tauros but also like there's a, a bird pokemon that has different color schemes there's a, a green one and a blue one and a, a silver one and a red one it's like a parrot it's basically a parrot with a pompadour essentially and um and so i've seen some of those around so like i come across this lechonk that's pink that's like a, a proper pig would look like like traditional pink uh, pig i'm like all right oh cool let's go and fight that thing and then it, i think it shines i'm like wait is this is this and i was like very careful i was like let's catch it and see and then it does have the shine thing on the pokedex so i was like is that i still was unsure i was like is this really um and it turned out yes it was a shiny lechonk and apparently i've run into two shinies so i don't know where the other one was i have no idea if i fought it the game tells you um yeah there's a if you go to your profile it tells you how many shinies you've encountered i'm like okay uh so i don't know i must have missed another one so oh that's God. really i don't know if they've done something with Maybe the rates or something rate. or yeah it's, it's really weird um because the last shiny i got was actually an arceus i found a shiny yanmega just randomly i was like what and the only shiny i'd have previous to that was a fucking bibarel and pokemon diamond that was the only other shiny i'd ever got in my life you um, know you got your memory mbz come on like you got a shiny elekid in pokemon gold right so the the reason i don't bring that one up is that uh, there is actually a 50 50 chance or like a 30 percent chance that you get a shiny out of that egg oh they made it on purpose so it's not a legit it's like a pseudo odds. red gyarados yes it is right. yeah okay, it's, it's not full enough. odds because i know other people who have had that and I, I looked it up in the past i think nick told me about it do you know my number uh ooh, i know you have a bag on that you got um that was the main one in in pokemon sapphire is there any more i can't remember i got a shiny star lee is that oh called? right yes one? Um, in diamond. In one pearl yes in pearl sorry yeah, yeah. you had pearl yeah, yeah. so pearl. so yeah and yeah um, my bag on in ruby was my, my boy. interesting yeah so so now i'm like on a bound to keep this fucking pig on my team even <laughs> though i evolved it into a uh, another pig and its type didn't change it's still normal so i was like do i really want to be rolling around with a fucking normal type for the rest of this game it is just like this pink pig but like i don't know i kind of want to change it out so like my team so far is pretty cool i've got a flamingo so i've got a flamingo that is part fighting it's flying and fighting i was like oh this thing fucking rules that's really cool and that's been carrying me a lot uh, obviously i went with quaxley as my starter because you know repping that water has quaxley evolved yet uh it has yes are you satisfied with the first evolution is anyone satisfied with the first evolution <laughs> i was thinking this like is there any good second stage starter pokemon I, they, <coughs> they all have that awkward teenage phase right like <laughs> yes. they i don't know something about second stage starters is off um for me and i don't know yeah maybe charming charming is pretty cool the second, the second stage starter. always feels like they put a lot of effort in designing the first stage and they put a lot of effort in designing the second stage yes and then they they the the middle one they always is literally almost always just a hybrid of the two yeah yeah and it's like they've not actually designed the second one they've just merged the designs of the first and last stage yeah and sometimes i don't know sometimes they like you know people are worried about sprigatito the cat going on two legs because that tends to be a trend that happens often with these it, what what is wrong with two legs um i don't know man but like it happens every time right like i don't know people want people just want a big cat that walks on four legs you know um so hopefully that's the case um because i think it was uh litten the little cat turns into fucking uh wrestling dude oh yeah uh, so yeah 
people were just not happy with that. People I think. were not happy about that. Fair so enough. yeah, I've got a, a team of weirdos, and they're all new. And that's my idea with this game. Is like I just want to use new stuff. That's all I want to do. That's like my focus. Um, and I have a lot of stuff from the very beginning. And I'm thinking like, hmm, I kind of want to swap some of these things out because like I, you know, your traditional bug Pokemon. There's like uh, one at the beginning of this game. And I was like, I just want to get it to level, you know, fifteen or whatever, just to evolve it, just to see what the evolution is. And then I'll just throw it away and, and use something else. And there are a couple of things I've got where I'm like, I, I've i evolved you now. Do I really want to keep you for the rest of the game? I kind of want to keep my eye out for other stuff that's coming down the pipeline. But um, yeah, so far, I think this game is knocking it out of the park when it comes to gameplay stuff. Like, I've done three of the main things, right? Like, so I've done one of each. Uh, each one is slightly different, right? So, like, the fighting, finding... Uh, the titan pokemon involves you like you know going to this area uh finding it fighting it for a bit it runs off to another area you, you find it again you fight it again so there's kind of like chase aspect to it there is um the gym challenge which is slightly different where in the the only gym i've done so far is basically you are given a task in the town and the task is to go and find a bunch of sunflora that are hidden around the town so they're just like make you go on this kind of hide and seek thing and then you go and fight the gym leader so there's no there are no like trainers in these gyms at least from maybe it changes in different gyms but so far with this first one i just went and found a bunch of sunflower in the town and then i just had a fight with the gym leader right and um you know the gym leaders use terastalized pokemon which is the thing we haven't talked about yet which is the, <laughs> the kind of pokemon thing. turning into crystals oh, and right. It changes their typing, so he had a Sudo Widow, which is traditionally rock type, but when you, he terastalized it, he's the grass gym leader, he terastalized it into a grass type Sudo Widow, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I was interested in doing this gym mainly because I started with Quaxley, right? So I should be on a back Bold. foot. Um, and i was like yeah this is good because i have i so i found a, a little fire boy called shark cadet he's like a little power ranger fire guy right but he was the weakest guy on my team but i was like you know what i'm gonna go into this a little bit under leveled with my fire guy see how i do uh, and it was a really nice challenge you know um it, it definitely pushes back a little bit and because you don't know like exactly what level you're supposed to be or like if i'm in the right area that you can walk into things where like this morning when i was on the toilet uh, i went and did the starfall base which so these uh these are slightly different in that they require you to use the the throwing pokemon out to just do the battle on their own type of thing and they give you a time limit so they're like okay you got 10 minutes to kill 30 pokemon off you go so you just run around this base and you just throw your pokemon out and they run off and they fight um the the pokemon that pop up and uh i wish it had a bit more like ability to choose what you throw out because you kind of just like keep tapping r and you just keep throwing them out in like a rotation whereas like because they were all fire type i wanted to just throw out quaxley every time to make sure that i was like minimizing the damage taken all that sort of stuff it feels a little chaotic maybe they kind of get that better over time but um but then you fight the leader the kind of like uh the starfall um team member and obviously as i said she was riding on this giant uh this giant car and she sends out a torkoal and the Torkoal was level 27, and my Quaxi was level 25. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it is a little bit, but, you know, I've got the type advantage. So I <laughs> I terastalized, but the problem is, is that the uh, the fucking, um, the, the tortoise, what the fuck is it called? I just said its name. Um, uh, um, Torkoal. It has drought. And also, I had just gotten rid of Water Pulse because I realized that my, my Quaxley evolution, whatever the fuck it's called, um, I called him Captain Pomp, by the way, that is his name, um, and I realized that uh, he's more physical, so I gave him Aqua Cutter instead of Water Pulse, but then I realized, oh, fucking Torkoal is physically defensive, so I terastalize, 
and uh, <laughs> I'm in drought, and so I use my move, and it does like it does like nothing. I'm like, fuck. Okay, this is not good, right? <laughs> like I'm in a bad place, so I had to use. Why isn't Torkoal rock and fire? So shouldn't this be four times super effective? Yeah, that's a good point. I th- I think it might just be fire actually. Um, okay, maybe maybe the case because otherwise it definitely would have done more damage than that. Mm. But um. It was a case of like, oh shit, okay, I'm terastalized, which means I should be uber powerful, but I'm still like barely making a dent in this thing. So I basically had to like potion myself until the drought went away and then have a window where I could attack and kill it. I was like, okay, that was, you know, it wasn't hard, but it pushed back, you know, like it pushed back in a way that I appreciated and I actually had to kind of think about, I don't, I'm not just sitting there and just saying, yes, yes, do the water move, kill dead, right? Um, There are factors here that are, pushing back against that and i appreciate that quite a bit i think it's really mm. cool that they have been able to uh kind of find this way in which you can almost challenge yourself right like because i'm experienced in pokemon i feel like i can go up to the top of the map and be like you know 10 levels underneath and try and just eke out some victories try and use some tactics here to see if i can get my way through um and that's exciting you know like i i foresee a moment where i come back and i go to so basically at the end of the school section they're like if you want to go out east or west whatever and i could foresee going around so the map is a loop basically it's this big circle i could see myself going through all the way to the circle and then coming back to this this gym that i could have gone to at the very beginning and it being the last gym i fight and it having like level 10 pokemon or whatever me being like oh well i guess i could have done that 50 hours ago but i didn't because this is the route that i chose so yeah uh i think pokemon scarlet and violet are if you're on the fence about it right like look these games are not going to run well uh they just aren't they're like they are choppy and there are issues um but i think like fundamentally they have shifted things in a way that's super interesting the um the last thing i want to say is that i think the towns are underwhelming they are really cool in the sense of their scale like they're really big i just got to this town where there are a bunch of giant billboards and they're like advertising stuff there's like a billboard of a sprigatito with like an energy drink i'm like this is cool world building like the idea of like using pokemon in uh advertisements and stuff like that um there's there's a neat kind of like element of that but this is literally japan yeah totally but um you can't go inside any of these fucking buildings like i got to the first small town i was like first of all this door texture it like makes that final fantasy 7 remake door texture (laughs) looks like a fucking masterpiece um but also i can't go inside here and then like there's no consistency to like what buildings you can or cannot go inside because mm. i was like in the big town the big the quote-unquote university town even though it's a school Me- meanwhile like you referenced breath of the wild that came out day one on switch these towns where you can go and they side every uh-huh. single building yep. and every single building is literally th- like the same size inside and out you know yep. like there's yeah. no loading zones or anything no right zones. Um, whereas here like you get to a town and you're like oh okay it's a shot a food shop and you just click it and you go inside and then they're like, anyway, here's a menu. Uh, we're not going to show you the inside of this building. Here's just a menu of food. And choose one. Eat it. Um, and then I randomly stumbled into one where it's like, oh, no, you can actually walk around inside this one. I was like, there is no fucking indication that this one is any different. All these doors look the same. Like, how am I supposed to know which mm. ones I can go inside and which ones I can't? It's a very unsatisfying thing in a video game when you can go in some buildings and not others. And you walk up to a building that looks interesting and then you can't actually go inside it. And you're like... Oh, so it's just here for like dressing yeah and and you know what like it's just made me not want to explore the towns it's made me be like well there's mm. no point because i already i literally spent 40 minutes in that first town because it's fucking huge it's so big 
and i went around all these doors tried to find stuff you can go on the rooftops you can like use your your bike to like jump on the rooftops and find hidden secrets and stuff so that's cool you can find like the best part of exploring the towns is similar to exploring the wild is like oh i found a tm here or stuff like that um and the way tms work is also interesting but yeah the uh the town exploration and going into buildings and the lack of that and like it just feels underbaked in that way it feels like they did you know if they had more time it was like it was made really in a year out. absolutely 100 percent um d- d- we i think we discussed this when arsis came out but we we were like talking about like pokemon and pillars and we thought what if one you've got your one pokemon pillar which comes out annually and that's the money maker that's the big one you know that's where they make all the money and it comes out glitchy and broken and whatever and etc but what if they had like this other pillar which is the like the three or four year cycle where a lot more time and care was put into it and they were and obviously this is an ideal world where the pokemon company actually had some resources which they don't seem to really have um but then you could have the sl- the slower development game that would come out a little less broken um and then hopefully the pokemon company could still make their money from the annualized thing you know yeah i mean it would it would necessitate multiple teams right like i think yeah. blessing on kind of funny was like well what if monolith and i've been screaming this from the rooftops for <laughs> yeah. years it's like let monolith make a pokemon game they're too busy with breath of the wild don't be silly that's true they're making yeah an actual good video game um <laughs> no, no look but look I, I i really love this game i think it's it's fantastic and i totally appreciate what you're saying and i, I think that would necessitate them seeing a drop off in terms of sales right like if they if they wanted to really do that i don't know it would take like five or six years of broken games to yeah. see a dent and drop off yeah of sales, probably right? like, exactly um that. it's it's a reputational thing and i honestly i think that the bugs and stuff have been shared so widely on twitter and stuff like i do think there's a pride element to this uh from game freak side I, I traditionally i would say like they probably won't fix this stuff but i'm like i think they might do it just because it is it, it is almost like a quality thing right like there's there's a brand quality a franchise like level that pokemon mm. operates at that i feel like they don't want to be perceived as lesser than in a way right yeah like red blue gold silver um ruby sapphire diamond like these for the time they were very polished games yeah. if you can even describe polish in the same way on a game boy sure yes yeah. but there was there did come a time and arguably it was like 3ds era right yeah where that kind of like quality level between the pokemon company and other mainline games on the system just kind of diverged quite greatly and it yes. feels like we're still on that kind of trajectory a little bit as much as i agree like this is just fantastic that we've been crying out for like open world pokemon and this kind of thing and arceus was refreshing this sounds like it's really refreshing and then just as they do the refreshing thing for numerous reasons it's just like the 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 visual graphical fidelity just kind of falls off a cliff a little bit and that's yeah that's really frustrating because to actually have a game that is this bold um again we need that switch too now we need it yeah need exactly it. and, and, it, and i'm not feels... saying that would remedy it overnight but it's certainly arguably one of the factors right yeah exactly and uh, you know some of this stuff is it feels like stuff they can fix it feels like memory leak issues basically where like i was in this big town and after i booted it up after it being in sleep mode for a while i was like why is this chugging like even worse than before so i just saved closed it down reopened it and it was like back up to a regular level so i was like oh must be some kind of weird memory leak thing going on which i'm sure they can fix that sort of stuff i feel like they'll do a patch maybe for this and and maybe address some of the issues but i don't know it depends how bad it gets right it depends 
also depends on sales and i think is that factor of like how how much uh shit can you take as a punching bag on social versus you know how many sales you actually does see it outdo um what was the last one sun and moon was it sun uh, no, it wasn't no sword, sword, sword and shield yeah sword and shield sword and shield ones. sorry does it outdo sword and shield i think it has the potential to yeah. yeah i think it's a more broadly appealing game than sword and shield right it's it's a game i would recommend to non-pokemon fans of like hey you like open world stuff like this is really doing it it's really doing the business and like now the battle's fundamentally still close enough to sword and shield yeah versus say arceus that it does feel more like a traditional pokemon in that sense yeah i mean that's another one of my nitpicks i would say is that battles do still feel super slow you know you'll get into those moments of like i'm using bullet seed oh well it's gonna hit five times so let's sit Uh, here and see the animation play out five times and it says bullet seed hit five times okay now next move right like and there was a fucking there's this pokemon i came across that these two little mouse they're these two little mice together and all their moves were multi-hit moves and i was like this is the most fucking infuriating thing (laughs) i want to catch this little fucker but he's just bullet seeding me for like seven turns in a row and i'm like oh my god this is so slow just please give me like a speed up button or like some way to skip like you know every time it's like it's super effective oh the sun came out it's a drought you know it's like arceus actually felt a little bit snappier than this in terms of its battles because it's just a very different battle system it's slightly different like arceus had a um like weak and strong attack system where you would like enhance your moves with those various elements and this doesn't have that this is more traditional but it also just feels like yeah they haven't prioritized the speed as much which you know when you go around catching stuff that's okay because you're you're focused on like getting it down to a certain amount of health and there's a bit of tension there but if you just run into random pokemon you're like i just want to get out of this generally running away has been okay like i've been trapped a couple of times where it says you can't run away but um there's this other element of like there sometimes there are so many pokemon around you in an area where you'll run from one and you'll immediately bump into another and you'll run from it and you'll immediately bump into another and it's like fucking just give me the space to just leave so i don't run into any of you um that can be a little frustrating um but yeah i think you know on that that point of like other people who haven't played pokemon games before who are more into open world and crafting and stuff like the way they handle tms in this game is that when you fight pokemon or when you catch them you get resources from them you get like here's a butterfly's nose hair or whatever the fuck right and you then use that to make a tm for bug buzz for example so it's like okay i can go and send my pokemon off you know using the r button to them to just go and kill a bunch of things and it just collects resources what, for you what does that physically look like you, you a pokemon faints you take a bit off it and then you put it yeah. in a mixer and that becomes a, t- a t- yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's all magic science stuff right magic you just science. you know you because you the all the pokemon centers this time are outside so they're just these outside stations um and you just walk up to them and there's an item shop there's a uh the nurse joy whatever equivalent and there's a place where you can create tms and it's just like a tm machine where you just go there and you're like anyway here's like an eyeball of a shinx and some other it's like some fucking arcane shit but they're like okay yeah let's just turn this into i don't know flamethrower here you go um but yeah that's how you get tms in this game is you also can find them in the open world so you can explore and some of the pokeballs out there will be tms you can pick up and they haven't been like amazing tms but i've got a couple of good like, i just picked up calm mind i was like oh calm mind's good i should use that on somebody so um yeah there's there's a little bit of, of that in terms of the crafting and i don't know if i prefer it because previously they actually got rid of the the limitation on tms right tms became like oh you can just use them as many times as you want but they were limited in terms of you know where you got them from you get them from being gym leaders and you get them from other things like that and i think this method is cool and it kind of gives you a a way to get multiples 
um and it's i don't know it's not too taxing i would say like it's it's i'm not one way or the other on it i think it's a nice addition equally it would also be nice if you know they were they were infinite but you know they've got to add something Mm. in there as a Mm. as an incentive for going around and like killing pokemon and stuff like that so um yeah it's look there are a lot of problems you know the game is inconsistent frame rate wise and i don't know i feel like I usually am someone who's a big stickler for this stuff, but it's, it's really... You are giving it a big old free pass. <laughs> I, well, here's the thing, Bali. I think that I'm a stickler when I'm on a piece of hardware that I know can do better, right? So, like, on my PC, if something is running badly, I will be pissed off I th- because I have a 3080 and it should the not. The Switch can do better. It can do better, yes. Not with the time cycle we talked about with Pokemon Company, but no, it can do better. It can, absolutely, and I agree. We shouldn't give them a free pass. I do think it is bad. However... I know that this is a small team. I know that they don't get any fucking leeway. I know mm. that they they've been making fucking Game Boy games for most of their life, right? Like yes. it's it, they just they don't know how to do this shit and no one has given them the time or the 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 way to do it. And like they've created something which I think is fundamentally the best Pokémon game in a decade. It really is from a design standpoint, from an interest standpoint, from my perspective as someone who's fallen off, who's not doing competitive anymore, who, you know, found no joy in regular Pokémon games because they're the same fucking thing recycled again and again. This is legitimately doing something different, and I do want to make sure that that is said um and is raised above the technical concerns because the technical concerns suck. But uh, I'm, I'm, I think they're worth pushing through, is what I'm saying. I'm going to make a comparison. Um, is Pokemon Company a little bit like Sonic Team? Yes. Um, so what's the new Sonic game called? Sonic Frontiers. Sonic yeah. Frontiers. It's going in a new direction. It's got some great ideas in it. If it, it sticks some of those ideas well. On the other hand, it technically is a little bit dodgy, and people are stepping back and saying, well, actually, have Sonic Team ever made a game that was, you know as good as we had hoped yeah. and i don't know maybe the pokemon company is a little bit similar where i think it's a good comparison yeah honestly yeah. like i do think that sonic has more design issues than pokemon does like pokemon frankly has nailed all the design aspects right like i think yes. they really have thought this through and have nailed it pokemon has more technical issues sonic i think has more fundamental design issues but they're in a similar place of like right like yeah. we this could like for both games right this could be the best one ever yeah. made in the series and something is just holding it back right, right. like there, there's, right. there's this element for both is just holding it back and i'm um, interested to see if at the end of the year and you don't have to spoil which one you prefer whether this will be higher or lower than rcs in a potential top 10 or something so yeah it's, it's something i have to think about definitely um it's it's i think you know the pokemon company have done well this year with interesting new bold ideas and it's exciting for the future i think and if they can first of all nintendo needs to make a more fucking powerful piece of hardware dig god can you imagine the spotlight on that first pokemon game on the next nintendo hardware everyone's gonna be like come on this is the one that's gonna it's got the technical power it's got you've had you know this is the one that's gonna do it you've had practice now making two open world games right right um and yeah surely their open world formula can only get stronger now that they've had yeah practice exactly Um, exactly so anyway um yeah i'll be playing a lot more as i said i'm about nine hours in and i've done one gym and that gym is like one of eight and that is one of three tasks you can do there's like you know as i mentioned the the team rocket equivalent you're going after but also the legendary pokemon you're finding like there are these spots dotted all across the map and i can choose whatever order i do them in you know and i don't know where i'm gonna go you know i might i might flow back to the other side of the map if i want to i just i want to find new pokemon i want to explore you know there is a there there was a moment playing this game on 
Thursday, I think, when it came out, or Friday when it came out, where I was like, this is giving me Xenoblade vibes, you know? Like, walking around this world, I was like, hmm, this is... They're, they're almost there. They're almost there, guys. They're all... They, they Look, you're not going to compare to, like, the, the landscapes and the, the kind of luster of Xenoblade ever. It's just too hard. But, you know, the exploration stuff. Just that three, four hours, I just decided not to go to the fucking uh, university school, whatever the hell, and just walk around. It was fucking incredible, man. It was so good. I was just, like, on my own, just bopping around, just chilling, exploring. It was fucking amazing. So... Yeah, I think think this is this bodes well for the future, if nothing else. Um, Good. But yeah, there you go. It's Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. My God, we spent a long time talking about that. Bally, you have another video game that you finished up. Yeah, I wrapped up Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. And I was a right negative Nelly, I feel like, by the end. Yeah, you were last <laughs> time. description yeah. last time. And I think I was only about three or four hours from the end, actually, last time. And I'm very satisfied with how this game ended. Like, I think it's a decent challenge, like the ending, like it mixes up the formula in a way. When I say ending, I'm talking about the the end of the final world, but then also there's a finale like after that. So I was satisfied with both, to be honest, where the end of the final world, again, mixed up the gameplay. The bosses... As infrequent as they are, I think for the most part they are okay and they are pretty good in this game. And I think this boss in particular was pretty satisfying to like strategize and get your head around. Mm. And then the finale itself, like I think, I'll, I'll just say the game does a very JRPG thing. Like a very okay, JRPG Okay, that could be thing. a bad thing for you. Um, I liked it. Like, okay. It did a J- JRPG ending thing in a good way and it wasn't to do with the difficulty. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll all right. say that. Um, it was nice. I liked it. I think the ending... This game just overall is a, is a fraction of the challenge of the first game. Um, and like I said in the first, uh, last episode, like, that's a bit of a shame. Like, I would have enjoyed more challenge and I wasn't prepared to just kind of scale up difficulty in the sense because I just kind of wanted... I didn't want to. I didn't want the enemies to just suddenly become more bullet spongy or something. I just wanted right. like the game to tactically be a little more challenging. Um, but like I was saying, I think this game is very, very good. It had the potential to be top, top tier, and for me, it's not quite there. But it's still an improve, a vast improvement on the first game. Um, and I had a really good time with it. And I'm very surprised that I beat it before <laughs> before you MPZ. Um, but. I I think I would highly recommend you you beat this game some point before the end of the year and yeah we can talk about it in our game of the year discussions yeah I'm almost going backwards right like I got Mario plus Rabbids then I got Bayonetta then I got God of War then I got Pokemon right and so I was like okay which one of these I'm gonna play a bunch of Mario <laughs> then Bayonetta came I'm gonna right. play a bunch of this then God you of War punched came. that God of War well that was a good one yeah to, God of War but you know through. that's that's kind of like that's, that's a compulsiveness to those Sony games that is very hard to put down so I was like all right yeah. well I, I'm just gonna burn through that motherfucker but now I'm on Pokemon I'm like oh boy. As I said, I'm nine hours in and I've barely done fucking anything. Yeah. So Rabbids is hefty. I think my total playtime was 22, 23 hours. Okay. I can't remember. Maybe it was longer. 25? Yeah. I can't even remember. That's reasonable. Um, yeah. yeah, it was It was good. I, I think that the world design in particular was a lot more interesting and the overworld puzzles were good fun and that stuff was improved on the first game as much as I didn't really enjoy them a ton in the first game. I was just there for the strategy battles. Um, yeah. And I like that there are the kind of like optional side quests in this. And I did some of those side quests and some of them, like I said, are much stronger than others. Um, and some of them feel a lot more procedural. Uh, but that's How, okay. Do the overworld puzzles continue to be interesting? Cause, yeah, yeah, like I was saying, there's an overworld puzzle at the in the like the fifth world. Um, 
that's very challenging and very interesting and took me a while but it's very satisfying and when you eventually get it it's like yeah that felt good um so yeah i was very satisfied with all that stuff and, and i really like that they took off like the limit on you can have a team of full-on mario characters or full-on rabbits right like, and you don't have to have mario you can have any combination you don't have to have did you have to have mario in the first game you did yeah mario really? was a necessity wow. in the first game that's crazy um yeah you can mix it up any way you want in this game and and that's great uh, i would have liked at least two more characters in yeah. the game. i like they stopped that kind of trajectory early on um and that's a real shame i think i just wanted not that i even used all the characters that frequently but like yeah i i i, I, I liked um you know there's this new character with this new ability oh my god and right the, the few characters they do add they they have abilities that you think are like so crucial for the rest of the game that they're very hard to drop because you're like oh that's so such a good power i want to keep that here and then actually some other character comes on well maybe i should stick with this and i i like the way that i mixed up my characters in the end and I, like i was saying i would have also liked a f- one or two more characters to have a little more healing ability because I just feel like as much as it's nice to block attacks from other um, enemies, just having that healing to give you a little more leeway, I think it's quite important. And that's why Rabid Peach became quite important for me most of the time. Not to say all the time, because I did mix up quite a bit by the end. Yeah, does Peach never get any healing abilities? Because she seems more like a defensive barrier buff character in this game. Yeah, she just does the barrier. She has this ability and a number of the characters gain it if you do it on the skill tree where they, they gain health after the match. And it's like, well fine but coins could do that anyway i guess but yeah it's a bit strange um whereas yeah she was had the ability to like jump into areas and heal um area of effect people around her in the previous game which was yeah, very totally. satisfying to do and that would have worked really well with like the gliding in this game so i don't know it's a shame that didn't exist because i actually think rabid peach might get that power um in oh, the skill okay. tree coming to think of it um which is a shame because I would have just like Peach or another character to have it, and I could have mixed up characters a little more. But yeah, um, yeah I, will there be a third game? Who knows? But like, I think they've learned a lot from first game to second game, and yeah, it's it's a really cool game. Very pleasantly yeah. surprised. And this is such a creative team as well, and it seems like they have a great relationship with Nintendo. Like, I I would love for them to take another IP. You know, like do something with zelda right like yeah. make a turn-based jrpg with zelda or something along those lines yeah. right yeah. i think that'd be really cool um, yeah really cool i I thought i think a lot more effort went into the charm and the world building and the enemies and you know the designs of all these things in this game rather than perhaps mechanics and i would have just liked a little more like mechanical challenge but i've yeah. already said that but yeah very good game Mario awesome Rabbids. I've also been playing another game that came to Nintendo Switch Online, and that is Pilot Wing 64. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to play this game a very long time. I played Pilot Wings Resort on the 3DS launch in the UK, and it is honestly one of my favorite 3DS games. And people just don't talk about this game a ton. I don't know why I don't know why I love it so much more than many, many people, but I just absolutely love that game. There was something um, about like it being a launch title and then not, being nothing else to play on 3DS that probably helped. Exactly. It would definitely hit that sweet spot yeah. for me. Um, Especially because it's like so high score based as well. Yeah, totally. And on top of the fact that it really utilized the 3D in a really nice way and looked oh, yeah. visually really cool. And so I, I actually maxed out every single high score in that game when it came out. It took me quite a while, but, you know, stick on the podcast and you can just play for hours. And yeah. yeah. I just absolutely love that game. And Pilot Wing 64, honestly, 
it's it's just like Pilot Wings Resort. <laughs> okay. Um, just graphically a little bit of a step down, and it's yeah. kind of it's kind of similar how I feel about you know Mario sixty four and Wave Race on the N sixty four where. Like mechanically, those games are just so solid and secure, and sure, visually they're a little less, little less than ideal. I think Wave Race is a very good-looking game. I should say that we've talked about the wave features, the water features before, but Pilot Wing sixty four just it does handle really nicely, and I think they've done some stuff like it's like sixty frames per second and stuff on the Switch Online, which looks great. And it's important to remember this is a launch title for the N sixty four as well. Like this is early, early N sixty four um and it looks really good it just it it feels really good like the the landing so you got your your glider you've got your like propeller plane thing they replaced the plane basically in resort and the the original had it's basically like a propeller plane it's hard to describe right um and then yeah the glider like i said and then you've still got the rocket the rocket jetpack thing um and yeah it 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 feels a lot like resort where you are like managing fuel on the jetpack. You're going for that perfect landing. I think this, this game is slightly different where it'll do multiple challenges within like a block of two or three. And then you have to get like, you have to get an average of like a bronze, silver or gold to like progress rather than like a single challenge like resort was, Okay, Um, which feels good. Like it forces you to, to be more diverse in your skill set one might say like it's kind of like forcing you to you know be really good across the board rather than being like right i'm really good at this one challenge interesting uh, would you say that like it holds up in a similar way to like wave race 64 in that sense like from a control perspective yeah massively it really helps it holds up i'm like you go with a certain expectation when you play anything before the GameCube era, we used to yeah. say like before the N sixty four era. But I think you lose N sixty four. You go in with an expectation where you are like, "This is an old, old game." Like this game, I was like five when this game came out. Seven right. when this game yeah. came out, you know, like this is going to be jank, uh, and it's not. And I think maybe that's maybe the the things that you know Mario Golf, Wave Race, and Pilot Wings have in common is they've got that Nintendo polish. Now I know like Mario Golf is like Camelot, right? But like there's a level of Nintendo polish that you realize maybe it wasn't as obvious at the time, but when you look back 20, 30 years later, you, maybe that's what's made these games age in a way that is so much better than yeah. a lot of other third-party games. Because, Especially yeah. when you compare Nintendo games to their com- contemporaries, right? Like, look at Wind Waker compared to other stuff that came out in that era. Like, Wind totally. Waker is, holds up so remarkably well um, from a control standpoint and from a visual standpoint compared to so many other of its contemporaries. Um, so yeah, it, it tends to be a Nintendo thing, I think. Massively, massively. Yeah. Um, I'm very early on in this game. Uh, so far, it's as challenging as Resort. It's not much more. I'm not like maxing, maxing out scores this time. I'm not going that insane because I do actually want to try and beat other games before the end of the year. Uh, but I'm having a really good time with it. It's like a very chill get on a podcast fly around a bit kind of chill game and i really really enjoying it and i'll i'll probably beat it for next time but yeah yeah, it's a it's a real real n64 surprise and like i'm 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 really enjoying that about the the switch online where there's a handful of games i was gonna say like you've really dug into the n64 stuff in the way i I haven't yeah yeah yeah, f-zero mario golf um wait well not wave race that was before but Yeah. yeah i've and i'm looking forward to like mario parties and pokemon stadium with you at some yeah. point that'll be a good fun um yeah i've i've definitely had my value <laughs> with nintendo switch online and 
Pilotwings 64. Honestly, if if you liked Resort or you're curious about Pilotwings and it's another series I'd love to see come back with a little more uh, oomph now that there's... Oh, talking about the oomph of the Switch, but, you know, it's more powerful than the 3DS is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'd, love to, I'd like to see if they could do something different or new with... Um, with that series because it's yeah. it's been a while you know 2011 that's quite a while ago for the last game totally it's um, one of those nintendo series i think similar to wave race where they don't it's not a huge identity from a character perspective right because they're kind of like sports action games in a way right and so they are well, well the thing about 64 is it does actually have all these unusual looking pilot like characters huh. and then they completely got rid of those for resort and you just went back to me's yeah totally um, so yeah and it's interesting because wave race had the kind of faceless people with helmets and n64 but then they got all these like ryota hayami and ricky right. winterborn and all these characters that they just introduced into blue storm which i really did enjoy and made it feel incredibly arcadey and yeah. japanese to be honest um but was good fun and that uh, releasing something that arcadey and and hammy maybe in 2022 would be a bit strange but uh there's ways around it i'd like to see what what twist they put on it um because yeah i think pilot wings definitely deserves another another outing yeah for sure uh awesome well that's good to hear um and yeah i need to dive into that n64 catalog and, and play some stuff um i'm waiting for stuff like you know ogre battle 64 and uh quest 64 some of the more rpg focused stuff oh, on there God, but okay see if that, right. happens. We'll see if that <laughs> happens um so i want to shout out an eShop game that came out recently uh it's five pounds on the eShop, uh <laughs> and i pretty much recommend anyone who listens to this podcast go and pick it up um this it's really cool recently we've seen like a lot of these smaller kind of platformers come out uh we talked about tori 3d uh, on the show i think last year was that this year i think it was last year um and uh and that was like a little neat you know one hour maybe a 40 minute platformer where you're this little duck and you're jumping around and like calling on the n64 era and calling on the kind of like ps1 era aesthetically um whereas i think those platformers back then were more open and exploration focused these games that have been coming out are a bit more linear um but still have that aesthetic that they're calling on which is really cool so uh this game is called lunistis l-u-n-i-s-t-i-c-e lunistis and uh there's a bit of sonic the uh, hedgehog energy to this as well you kind of plays this this animal i think they're like a squirrel of some kind um and yeah it's it is a really creative platformer um that has a almost sega saturn look to it like i would say it's like adjacent to ps1 but probably saturn is probably a better comparison in terms of aesthetic and it runs really smoothly looks really good um and just has a lot of fun creative ideas there's probably about 10 levels and each of them is split up into two two kind of worlds as it were so like uh you know each aesthetic gets uh two levels based around it so there's one that's like a a candy world and you kind of like see all these kind of sweets and stuff and all the platforms are based around that um it has like it takes a lot of ideas from other well-known platformers so you know mario galaxy where they have the blinking boxes that is like blink 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 on and it's like the blue and the red and it changes between blue and red um there's a level that's kind of built around that mechanic um there are these kind of grind rails where you have to you have to like use your kind of stability with the analog stick to stay on them while also like attacking enemies as you go through um there's lots of fun like different things but fundamentally it's just a really well-made very enjoyable um precision platformer in 3d and i think that's the thing that i think 
has been missing maybe from the switch lineup generally in terms of like nintendo does platformers but very rarely and a lot of them are 2d uh, and you, you you know we've got kirby recently this year which is a 3d platformer um but there's not that much happening from them which means like you kind of go to the indie space for a lot of these and i think it's really cool that these games are happening on switch and you know they're very cheap as well they're like five quid for this game and it probably took me a couple of hours and you know you can spend more time doing it, it feels like a game built for speed runs as well especially the first few levels i was like oh wow this would actually be pretty satisfying to speed run and it looks like the way the levels are designed they build in speed run stuff to that stuff also so i'm sure you know if you want to get deep into it you can really do that it does have a timer the whole time as well tracking your time so um yeah and it gives you like a, a ranking at the end and the ranking is based on how many times you died uh, how many uh, of the cranes you collected so instead of coins you collect these like mini cranes um which are very cool there's a japanese i guess you're a fox right because the gates you go through are like tory gates oh yeah that's all um, in the trailer you sent me yes yeah and those act as your checkpoints and so yeah you're collecting cranes as well so a lot of japanese kind of theme uh, uh kind of running through this that, that fox is actually like linked to that shrine in kyoto and that's like yeah the star fox thing but totally the and you know yeah, yeah exactly Miyamoto was on it yeah for sure he knew he knew um <laughs> and uh and yeah and i would say like from a control standpoint it just feels really good right like it just has a sense of precision in the air it has the it does take a lot from arrow galaxy i'd say because it has the spin right the spin that you use to attack enemies but then also you can use it so you've got a double jump but then you can spin mid mid air to kind of adjust your your position right slight readjustment stuff which i think is really nice and you know it has a mix of fast-paced sonic style sections where you're like going through these areas and like attacking enemies but like without the jank of sonic like it feels more polished than that um and then also like a bit more open areas that you can explore sometimes and there's one section where you kind of are in the central hub and you kind of branch off to these three different areas and then come back to the middle um stuff like that but it also has uh collectibles so it's similar to donkey kong where you get your four uh kong letters um you get uh, four letters that spell hannah i think which is probably the name of the character h-a-n-a um and so yeah there are there are like areas off to the side where you're like oh that looks like i should go there to do a harder platforming challenge in order to get this letter um and it's always satisfying to do those like they're, they're always challenging um and and yeah very very good fun so i just want to shout it out because i think that a lot of people who listen to this show would be interested in a game like that and it probably doesn't get that much visibility like i heard about it on a discord i was on i was like oh it's got a demo let me download that and i downloaded the demo and was like yep this feels really good i'm gonna pay the five quid and play I it like that a five pound um, game has a demo That's a, yeah well it's, it makes the decision even easier doesn't it it's like you know i basically just got the demo just to see you know because games like this I, I like tori 3d but i don't think it controls very well if i'm honest you know like i think there's a bit of jank to mm. it and like it <laughs> it's cool but like it wasn't it wasn't like up there for me whereas this like man this is tight as hell this thing controls super well um and it's just really enjoyable and you know if you just want if you just want you know a couple of hours of platforming fun it's it's a great time so um yeah so after i saw it on that discord downloaded the demo and then i was on youtube the next day i was like oh nintendo life talked about it and they reviewed the game they gave it a nine out of ten i was like all right well guess i am buying it now then um so yeah <laughs> just wanted to give lunistis a shout out uh so yeah uh, if you want to check that out it's on the eShop, e- um and you can download it so and download the demo as well so yeah there you go nice. um bali we also have one more thing to talk about the play date the play date finally came yeah uh so i got mine early then bali had to wait like three weeks was it for yours thanks to, come? to brexit it just got like st- stuck in customs for like two and a half weeks three weeks um that's crazy 
Yeah, so it eventually cleared customs and arrived, and we opened out the same on the same day. So we did, yeah. We both now have four games because we are, I guess, three four weeks into uh-huh. owning it, and I'm I'm impressed by it so far. I think it does. It's a little bit weird in the setup. Your setup was also different to mine, where yeah. I just plugged mine in and then pressed go, and then it worked i guess yours had also been sitting around longer than mine so maybe basically there's a whole thing where like the if it goes down to no battery then you have to leave it plugged in but when you plug it in there's no indicator that it's actually charging and that i was, was on... for me but not you because it no. zeroed out right? yeah mine are completely zeroed out so like I, I was looking on like playdate forums and stuff of like what that because it seems like it's a common problem when they're sending them out i think it's because they had issues with batteries originally they're shipping them in a way that makes it so that they are yeah. pretty low when they come to you essentially. and um for those that don't know playdate is a a handheld platform made by panic um and they've only there's very few of them in existence i think there's like there's like 40 60,000 or something so like, we were number like 18,000 18, i think in 000. order number so at the moment probably only about 20 yeah. 25,000 shipped worldwide so and, far and they've got season one is out so far and we are me and mbz are gradually getting games from season one on like a, a fortnightly basis yeah uh, and all these games like very small games that use the the unique crank um that is on the side of the system and then it's got a d-pad and an a and a b button um and yeah, I think the four games so far, we've got Boogie Loops, Crankin Presents Time Travel Adventure, uh, Whitewater Wipeout, and Casual Birder. Boogie Loops is just like a boring... It's like a music sequencing app, right? Essentially. Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm sure there's a niche market who will enjoy that. But for me, it's just like, it's not interesting at all yeah um, i need to have a look at it because i do kind of like that sort of stuff but i probably have to learn it a bit and it might right. be a little bit hard to do so uh casual birder is like kind of like a mini rpg kind yeah. of where you're taking pictures of birds and walking around this world and it uses the crank it's doing a lot of things with a very limited number of buttons in quite an impressive way um although i didn't find i don't find the world that interesting no. or it wasn't it wasn't driving me on, and I think it's like a two-hour game, but still, I yeah. played like twenty minutes, half an hour, and I feel like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really feeling this. And then, Whitewater Wipeout is maybe my highlight so far. Yeah, um, but I've, it's the one I've spent the most time with. I'm mean, trying to beat your score, and you said you're uh-huh. like thirty-three thousand. I think my best is like twenty-two thousand, and yeah, it's a high, it's a it's a high-score surfing game that. You first play it and you're like, this is impossibly difficult. Uh-huh. But then you gradually work out that like, and it, it, it purely uses the crank and then you're using the D-pad to like hold hold to the board in different ways for like different moves. But you are steering using the crank, which feels very difficult to learn. It's a steep learning curve, but it's, it's very satisfying when you, you nail it. And yeah, you kind of just like, do tricks, do spins, come yeah. back down again, and then you're building up combos. And So a tough. funny thing happened with me with this game where when I first played it, I played it for like maybe two minutes. And I was like, I don't know how to do this, whatever, leave it alone. And then I came back to it and I was like, oh, okay, I'm figuring this out. I think I've got it, right? And I was like nailing it and I was like, I'm doing 10,000 points. I'm doing 20. Oh, I just hit 42,000. Like that's my current high score. 42,000? Yep, yep. And then I put it away and I came back to it the next day and I was like, Wait, why is it why is it the opposite of before? Because what right. happened? What happened was, and this happens sometimes with the play date, is that the play date crank can get a little confused and it can invert itself, right? 
what had happened is that when I played it for the second time, the crank had actually been accidentally inverted, which means that when I was playing it, I mainly had the crank pointed away from me while I was adjusting my surfer, right? And you'll know from playing this, you usually have the crank pointed towards you when you first start playing it, right? In order to right. adjust You've him. been cheating this whole time, you mean? I, so, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, I, I learned it backwards. So I learned how to play this game fucking backwards. And by the time I got back to it, I was like, wait, do I have this issue? So I thought when I went back to it for the third time, that my playdate had inverted. No, it had fixed itself to be uninverted. So I learned this game accidentally inverted, and I, I have no way to go back to it now. So, like, I had to relearn the, the the regular way, which is holding the crank towards you, and I'll be honest, it's much easier the other way around. Like, I found the balancing of the crank, for, like, being further away from you, and the micro-adjustments I could make. That's how I hit 42,000, using the, the inverted version of playing it. And now, doing the regular... I, I don't think I've got close to that yet, which is really... I'm still shocked you got 42,000. You know you can run out of water. Oh, really? You can you can surf far enough to the left yeah. that you run out of wave. Like the That's wave crazy. diminishes in size because I spent a lot of time speeding up by wobbling up and down and back and forth. Yeah. And I was doing it in between attempts trying yeah. to like build up a score. Right. And it got to the point where I'd been doing it too long and then ran out of wave that's crazy okay interesting well yeah i've not hit that yet but i mean the secret with this game is just like for me anyway to get that score is hitting a triple spin and then doing that every time right because it will it will build on the combos you've done so if you do a double spin then do another double spin it will give you so your multiplier going up your multiplier goes up so if you hit up to three spins then you should every time do three spins and that will keep multiplying Whereas if you go back to two spins, then it will drop back down. So you basically have to hit a point of momentum where you're getting it. And sometimes you're hitting birds in the sky and getting extra points for that. But that's hard to kind of uh, to plan and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. But I'm now, I wish there was an option in the Playdate menu to be like, hey, can I invert the crank? Because I want to play this game inverted and there's no way to do it, uh, which is frustrating i bet if you turn the system on and off with the crank in a certain position you might be able to yeah there's probably a way to jank it into doing yeah. that but i don't there's no consistency there you know so yeah it's it's unfortunate but i did learn it backwards and i've now had to relearn it which is unfortunate um well, i think the best game on this system is crank and time travel adventure holy shit this thing At is what, awesome. what date are you on so i'm on i think the 20 something date at the moment okay. i think i'm on like i did a little last night and i'm on like six or seven and okay it's hard uh, it, yeah, it's really cool though. So you're this guy cranking, uh, and he's going on a date with this girl, and um, he's just late all the time. The date is set for three o'clock. You always leave your house at three o'clock. I thought that for a while, I thought the game was a, a process of. It was like it wasn't like a puzzle game. It was literally just a, a narrative. Narrative, and it's like right. I've got to wind this crank fast enough that I get there before three p.m. Right. So that I started by like my crank 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 oh my God. as fast as possible yeah. and then realize no that, that, that's not the no the, the joke is is that he leaves at 3 p.m every time yeah. he's always late <laughs> um and along the way you come across like you're trying to dodge out the way of these things but the only way you can move is by cranking time forwards and backwards mm. using the crank and so and, and there are different things you come across that changes your state almost right so you might come across a flower and so when you come across a flower he will automatically duck down and start sniffing the flower which is good for if there's a butterfly coming and the butterfly is going to hit you you want to be in a downward position so it goes over the top of your head and you wait for it to go past and then you can continue on and this you know this changes in various different situations there's a um 
there's a hanging bar that you can hang on to and your body will split into pieces so there is the moment where these two birds are flying and you have mm. to be on the bar with That's your body tricky, split yeah. with the birds flying through your body like there, there are these obstacles you have to get past there are some pigs that will chase you and stuff like that sometimes you have to go really fast sometimes it's just a matter of going forwards backwards forwards backwards to like get the timing to dodge out of the way and it's been so creative and different so far i think there's 50 dates total so i'm probably about halfway through but the difficulty does ramp up quite a lot and you will eventually get to points where you're like oh man i've been on this level for like 10 minutes you know like really trying to learn it and and get it correct um and it's really punishing like any tiny little clip if you clip into like so there's one where there's a bunch of poos on the ground they're just like going towards you and um and if you just accidentally clip it the tiniest amount it will count as a death and you'll have to restart so Mm. you have to be super precise thankfully the crank is really precise so it provides that to you so yeah it's cool like i i I think it's it's hard but it's very cool and yeah it's an interesting array of for the first four opening games but i'm i'm very impressed so far like i think it's still very expensive for what it is so far, but like as a as four games to start, I'm very intrigued. I I can't help but think that this thing should have had a backlight, but a hundred fucking you, percent. You get used to it, but it's still just like every time you turn it on, I'm like, wow, why did they not give this thing a backlight? Like, and sometimes it makes me think, are they just too cool for their own good? Like, is yeah, this like yeah. have they just they they think it aesthetically looks cooler to not have a backlight is that why it doesn't have one you know right. like it's it's strange i think it's something to do with the blacks and the contrast because the contrast is really good right with the all these games and cranking is a good example of that but like i'm like i'm mainly playing this in bed at night right mm. and so i have to turn on I, I have like a light above my bed which is for reading um when i'm just reading a regular book and not a kindle and i have to have that thing on like full blast in order to see what the hell is happening on my play date um so yeah i really wish that it had one it would make it i would pick it up and play it so much more if i had a backlight um but it just limits the amount of time that i pick it up and play it but i do think it's a nice thing to jump in and out of yeah Um, it's definitely not designed for long play sessions like i spent a while trying to beat your high score and maybe it was combined with the fact that i was playing god of war on the ps5 controller which we've moaned about the size of that thing but my wrist was pretty sore the next day and i think it was a combination of uh white water wipeout plus the first two hours of god of war like just quite hurt my wrists so, yeah that's right um it's it's it, it it does it doesn't fit the hands well but i think for like 20 minute sessions just doing a cool little thing it's fantastic yeah and i think that's why i have gravitated towards white water wipeout and crank is time travel is because they're not like narrative but like casual bird is cool and i'm enjoying it but i have to sit down and focus and pay attention to it i can't just be playing that with a podcast on right it's like a narrative game yeah whereas with cranking i'm like yeah i'll I'll try this level for like five minutes and then put it down again you know it just it lends to that type of play experience far more um and that's what i've been getting out of it i am interested to see what what's going to be the first more narrative focused game that i i do latch on to a lot more yeah for casual bird there's just something about it that's just a bit I don't know. And maybe it's harder to make a more intriguing world in that way with the with the monochrome or something. I, I, yeah. Maybe I'm being harsh, but like I just I'm not overly int- invested in that little world they've. No, created. it's fine. It's also a little clunky of like getting the camera and trying to like make it in focus, and the birds are moving around the screen, and you know, yeah, I I totally get it. I've I've enjoyed it okay so far, but it's definitely 
if i want if i'm gonna play it i have to like take a weekend morning and sit downstairs where there's light and like really just play it and focus on it basically yeah. which i don't know that that's the strength of the play date if i'm honest so um yeah, yeah yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes but we might have like a play date minute uh every show just to check in on the oh yeah we're gonna get two games a week yes there 12 games in season one 14? i think 24 or something 24 yeah, they, okay. they doubled Let's it go. they doubled it so it's 12 weeks um with nice. two games a week oh so, they yeah. yeah they merged the seasons in there yes of course exactly. i remember now so yeah, looking forward to more of those coming in, and then probably after that, I'll probably dive into some uh, some stuff on PC where I download it and pop it onto my play date and, and check some of that stuff out. Because um, there's a lot of cool stuff out there that indie devs are making uh, that you can just quite easily, and I probably would be able to teach you how to do this. Bally is just get okay. stuff on your play date as well after the season is done. Panic are famously like the Mac game developer, so it should work okay with my Mac. Sure, yeah, it should in be theory. okay. Should be okay. Uh, all right well that is going to do us for the first segment of the show uh, don't go anywhere we'll be back after the break with some of your emails see you in a bit Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second part of today's show. It is time for emails. And I should say, like, we're, we're a little bit tight, tight, tight in time today. So we're going to do one email, and then we're going to have a little bit of a discussion about that. I say fairly recent. It was a little bit of a while ago now, the yeah. indie world that came out just after our last episode, because that's what Nintendo liked to do. As Nintendo always tends to do, uh, schedules it for right after we record our previous show. So yeah, we're about exactly. a couple of weeks out of date. But it's Thank okay. you, Nintendo. Um, if you would like to send an email into the show, please email thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That's thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can post a comment, a question into our Discord server. We've got a channel dedicated just to emails and that's exactly what our first email today which is from Matry. that's what they did so Matry says hey Amy Zed and Bally writing to ask if you have any favorite small moments in games these are the tiny little things that don't have to be in a game and are easily missed but still leave a strong impression and make the game feel more whole not necessarily my favorite but I think an example that best summarizes this concept is Mario sitting on the bench with the guy in New Donk City in Super Mario Odyssey just a really lovely moment. More open games like Breath of the Wild, Animal Crossing, and Xenoblade Chronicles have so many of these and is what makes them so magic. The utterly stunning meteor shower over the Aerith Sea coming to mind. Indies always have a lot of these moments too. We'd love to hear some of your guys' favorites. Lovely. Uh, we uh, have been wanting to do this email for a while, but every time we're like, oh, we're not prepared for it. We need to go back and think because <laughs> I want to give some, some good answers to this because there's, uh, there's lots of these. I, I think I... 
I focus on these quite a lot when I talk about a game and polish and like those small moments that really make it stand out. For me, it tends to be stuff like little animation or flourishes or like little sound design things that tend to stick with me. Um, and I actually had, I went and was looking for some notes and I found that I had these two documents that I had written up in 2019 and 2020 of small moments in games that year that I had really liked because uh, I was intending to do videos on these things and then just inevitably... You could, you could still, still do a video. I could, I could, but... Um... But yeah, I, I've got a bunch of them. But Bali, do you want to kick us off? Is there anything for you that really uh, sticks out? How many have I got? <laughs> 13 or so? Wow, I can, go, I can go pretty quick. Um, so Mario Kart Double Dash and Mario Sunshine uh, have a thing in common. So these, these games came out quite close together. But uh, their worlds actually link up. And what I mean by that is when you're on Peach Beach in Double Dash, you can actually see the Daisy Cruiser yeah uh, uh, or for example you can see the volcano that's in dk mountain from baby park and then likewise mushroom city you can view mushroom bridge and then from mushroom bridge you can view mushroom city at certain points in the course huh and i just think it's the smallest but awesome little thing and i should say this happens in sunshine as well so in sunshine like mount corona which is like the last area the bowser area in the game that like overshadows the whole island from you can like see the mountain from the side and like for example you can also see pinna park which is like one of the the main levels as well you can see pinna park from all lots of other levels in the game like when you stand at certain locations so yeah. it just makes it's easy that and i think in say mario kart 8 like the worlds feel incredibly separate like everything is yes. unto itself but the fact that they went out of their way in double dash and sunshine just make these worlds feel interconnected and together i just thought was really really cool yeah that's awesome and i think like there are a lot of games that do that sort of thing like xenoblade comes to mind but the difference is that like in that game you can actually traverse to those places you're like oh there's the mcconnus and then you do go there yeah this is like pre we're not like it's not it's not open mario where you can just go there but it's implied that like it's linked it's it's building out a world in games that otherwise don't really do that you know like mario kart especially is like it's just a racing game right but like it creates a sense of place which i think is really cool really Um, cool i love that i i love that sense of place when it's something that is normally so itemized and separate separated which is like the mushroom kingdom which is we've seen an incarnation of their mushroom kingdom like umpteen times but to actually do it in that way was very cool um yeah this level in tropical freeze uh it's one b it's called busted bayou um and retro just stuck a samus gunship in the background it oh looks, shit yeah it looks, it looks fantastic it's isn't it quite hard to see because it's like shaded yeah so it's one of those monochromatic levels right this level looks like limbo basically the black and white stuff yeah and it's like turquoise on black this level and yeah they've got samus's gunship just stuck in the tree um look it up i'd highly recommend it yeah um i want to shout out the sound design of the fruits being turned into juice in pikmin 3 oh yeah that's a really like oh god it's just like the end of the level like pikmin has this nice end of the day nighttime kind of feel to it at the end of a day and you're like N-. it's got like this almost like dream like kind of nursery rhyme kind of theme tune that plays at the end of pikmin 3 at the end of a day and then you're like right but i've got all my fruit and then it just goes like i can't even 
Can't even do it, but it's like this ridiculous yeah. juicing sound. It sounds amazing. That has just reminded me, this is one that I didn't have on my list, but is also similar to that. Ring Fit Adventure, you also do a juicing thing where oh, you get wow. the juice and yes. you smooth it, but you actually have to squeeze it with the <laughs> ring. Oh my god, it feels so fucking good. Holy shit. Like, it's... That's a game. Yeah, we've not talked about that game in a while, but yeah, no. I need to play that as well. Um, yeah, it's really cool. The sound design of Stardew Valley when you pick up things. Like it makes like yes. a... Oh, God, I love it. Um, very satisfying, especially when you're picking up so many little things. Uh, so Mario Odyssey. Uh, I love the Odyssey itself, like the ship you're in. Uh, there's like, it's, it's a good way of representing, we talked about sense of place with like double dashes there. But like the fact that you can pick up a landmark from every single region, kingdom in that game, sorry. And then that's represented in the Odyssey. Maybe that's not a small thing, but like I think it's just a very cool like, nice neat cozy little thing in a game like yeah. mario odyssey which is otherwise so expansive to have like this this little place odyssey has so many small moments i think like you could probably do an entire list that is just moments from mario odyssey yeah but like again like going in the little pipe on the outside of the ship to get inside the ship like yes like, ways Love to get inside like it for me the one that really stood out to me is one that i talked about on the show where the game came out is when you're in the desert kingdom and you run into a cactus and mario's nose gets little cactus <laughs> yes. pines stuck in his nose like it's such an unnecessary detail but that's like the added level of polish and like just on top of everything else and i have the screenshot of mario shivering in the desert with a red nose because it's cold but also he's got fucking cactus spikes pointing out of his nose and for <laughs> me that's like one of my favorite this, like the thing that epitomizes this this question is like mario shivering in the desert with cactuses mm. needles in his nose is like, really cool it's so so good um i've got another one from odyssey uh so obviously like new donk city is like so many mario and donkey kong references just all over the place but my favorite is this there's this little theater you can go in and it's just all these people sitting and they're watching uh world one one from mario bros and you think that's really cool and then there's a pipe to the side of the theater to the side of the seats you can literally walk into the pipe and start playing world one one from mario bros and play yep. through the entire level yeah um, it's awesome very 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 cool um it's a great use of that mechanic that mario Odyssey has which is obviously right. the turning into the 2d it's like god that's just a great way to use that mechanic so clever they use it so many creative ways as well like remember in the samurai level bowser's castle level you use it on like those um japanese paper walls as well that yes. fold as well yeah so so many uses that are clever in that game as um well. breath of the wild right okay hand look got a handful here but um I've got to say the most beautiful region in Breath of the Wild, bar none, in my opinion, is the Akala region. Uh, the, the autumnal, so it's in the northeast, it's like this autumnal, rainy, stormy area. But honestly, like, try and go to that region, get high up and be able to look down on all the autumnal trees. I just think that region is unbelievable um yeah. maybe not a small thing it's a whole region but sure still, it's yeah. like i love it it's just a uh, vibes thing though right just vibes totally yeah. um for a more specific thing in breath of the wild and we can debate how much we want to say about this go okay. to satori mountain in yes. Breath of the wild i think um, a lot of people know but uh, yes. this is less of a yeah a lot of people know about this but i think it's like if in the central area, I think it's just to the northwest, so I would yeah. highly recommend checking that out. That's, that's a really good one, because when I was at Ali T's house, and he was in the middle of playing Breath of the Wild, um, and, <laughs> you know, going around, I was like, hey, do you want to 
maybe go you see that shining thing in the distance just go there now just just go there now this is going to be important and uh and he went there and he saw it and he was like wow thanks for telling me to do that because that's fucking amazing like it's, it's really <laughs> yeah. cool. um and then a very obvious one but is incredible is even tile even tide event tide even tide island yeah. um breath of the wild in the southeast um you probably people listening probably know what that's about but yeah yeah go check it out uh wind waker uh again this is more just vibes but i am obsessed with the route between windfall and dragon roost island in particular i just absolutely love it uh wind waker is actually full of like little little things that that toon link and just kind of that world does i love the fact that link toon link he always looks at stuff with his eyes and sometimes yeah. they are clues for puzzles sometimes they're clues for more wider things like you'll actually look into like islands in the distance or whatever like I love that. Um, also, when you're like sailing at night, apparently Wind Waker has like some of the uh, constellations in the sky are actually real world constellations. So no way. Like, little things like that. I just think Wind Waker is ahead of its time in terms of like this attention to detail and awesome stuff like that. Uh, I've only got two more. Gold and silver. There's nothing more awesome uh, than turning your bedroom into 3D in Pokemon Stadium 2. It's yeah. quite a small thing in that game, but we absolutely loved it. And it's just the most joyous, cozy, cute thing that I love in that game. Just Mystery Gift generally. Mystery like Gift the, generally. The feeling of getting the Snorlax doll and Mystery Gift. Snorlax and Lapras and yeah. Onyx. And yeah, God, that was good. So satisfying. Through through infrared in our Game Boy colors, like so crazy, weird. man! What so technology? Uh, and then really finally, good. Luigi's Mansion Three. I love when Mario first goes missing, and Luigi goes to his hotel room, and then it's just like this is the hotel room that Mario's been in. So of course, there's just like pizza boxes everywhere, uh-huh. and I love I love that. And apparently, one of the pizza boxes even references like 1983 when like Mario came out. But. Wow. I remember the pizza boxes. I don't remember the date. I just yeah, I, yeah. I remember going to that room and be like, "Wow, Mario really fucking ordered from Domino's last night." He really went to town on the, on the pizza here. Yeah. Uh, but and Luigi's Mansion again is full of small little details, cozy spaces, cool, well-designed areas, especially Luigi's Mansion Three. And yeah, that was just one that I remembered. Yeah, that's that's a game that is just moments. It's like just that. that. Right? Yeah, totally. Just even the simple act of hoovering up money is just like holy shit that feels so good yeah um, <laughs> yes it's amazing yeah. uh yeah so one uh that's very recent because it's from skull and violet that i'm playing right now and is kind of incentivizing me to do the pokedex is every time you catch a pokemon the way the pokedex works in this game is it's it's treated like a a stack of books like l- l- leaning into the school theme where when you get a pokemon you will get a picture of it like in the environment uh and in the wild um and that will be part of the decks but when the decks entry happens it basically does this nice little animation where it shows you the pokemon it like does a little jingle and then it spins and kind of spins and slips straight into the the um the bookshelf and just the satisfying sound of it the animation of it it's just so good um and there's like a little dopamine hit when it happens and it shows you in context of like where it goes in the the number lineup so it shows what number pokemon it is and everything thing um i think it's just a really neat fun little way to give you that uh kind of like uh incentive to keep catching everything um yeah because pokedex entries are generally kind of like 
boring of like oh you just get the pokeball next to its name and stuff like but this they really leaned into it they're like no this is like a journal this is like research and you're researching it and you've done it and let's put it in the library basically let's let's stack it in there um and the animation and sound design around that is just really really nice so uh, that one is stuck out for me so far in that game um a really subtle one that i really love how blizzard get across character through the hand animations in overwatch so like obviously it's a first person game so there's a limited amount you can do but the subtlety of like how characters move like what how how they're uh, their arms sway or their hands move uh, in overwatch it says quite a lot there are a few videos on youtube about this of like the ways in which they get across character through those hand animations but it's just really good stuff like it's it's also super polished but like any anytime you use the hello emoticon or stuff like that you can see like how they greet other characters uh you know the way in which they do it the kind of like gruffness of reaper versus like the very kind of delicateness of mercy it's like really smart stuff but all those uh, animations you know first person animation design is really really good um so yeah i have this list of like 2019 and 2020 games so i might just go through some of these um throwing things in a bin in astral chain fucking rules like you go around collecting these yeah you go around collecting these cans and then eventually you have like 30 of them and you just stand by the bin and just press the a button and just the sound like it's it's like a fucking slot machine of like ding 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 just fucking throwing these things in the bin feels so good like actually it gives you a satisfaction of a task that otherwise you would think is pretty stupid and dumb but you know i love cleaning stuff up as well in games as i've made very clear so like this idea of you're cleaning up all this goop getting all this rubbish and then you just fucking chucking it in the bin oh it's great it's really really good um i guess i have the luigi's mansion money sucking on this list as well so uh that that makes sense uh I think just a quality of life thing from Apex Legends, the ping system generally, is such mm. a small thing that they added into that game that made such a big difference. Um, it's really, really cool. I, I didn't know we were going to do mechanics, but I just to shout out mechanics, um, maybe you've got this written down, but I was just going to say Celeste Coyote time. Um, oh, yeah, It's a very small yeah. thing, but I guess changes the entire game massively. But It really does, very yeah. Yeah. Um, the symbol crash on deaths in Ape Out is fucking awesome. Symbol crash. So when you kill enemies, it crashes the symbols uh with the drums because obviously apat is all drum based right with the yes. music and oh. so killing enemies results in symbol crashes and just like the way that feeds in oh, that game stuff. is so good that yeah so it's good. really really good um i really love the animation when you get stabbed by crystal and bloodstain so when you get a new ability uh miriam just like hovers in the air and a crystal just like shoves into her chest and she's just like hovering like a super saiyan um and it goes like all glass crystally on the screen it's really nice i just think that was very very cool um the sound of bopping enemies in Link's awakening is great Link's awakening i think has great like Mm. rounded like bumpy the remake. the remake yes yeah um has those character designs that are very just like toy like toy like and, and and boopy rubber r- made of rubber yeah rubbery and boopy and like those those yeah. enemies that you hit and they just have a little boop to them is is really nice uh, <laughs> so that's good um and then some from 2020 uh flicking blood off your blade in ghost of tsushima oh man oh god that's a great shout my yeah. god yeah uh, so it. you're like you've done a fight you're like standing there and then you just fucking i completely forgotten that i love it yeah it's on the touchpad maybe on the playstation mm, where you flick yes. it and it's like oh flick that blood off and then clean it and then sheath it oh. feels fantastic um my favorite one from 2020 shearing a motherfucking sheep in spirit Fairer. holy shit <laughs> wow what a goddamn animation oh my god that's one of my top ones of all time it's like taking the wool off of a sheep in spirit Fairer 
it has never felt better to be a farmer in a video game than that. Fair has got a ton of incredible animations. So like many, one of the best yeah. animated games I think we've ever played. Yeah, just like fishing at the back is always really good oh, as well. Yeah. Like watching the water go by oh, is your vibes. Yeah, wow. hella vibes, hella vibes in Spirit Fara. Um, I put the Last of Us ropes in here. Oh, uh, yes. It's the only good thing in Last of Us Two. Um, I think um, God of War is a bit ropey. Like it's got it's got some swinging things in yeah, it. Yeah, it's reminded got me a little bit of that. Not quite as to the level of the thing you're talking no, about. But. No, yeah, but still cool. Um, uh, Blaze Fielding's hair flick, which I mentioned constantly in Streets of Rage 4, just like a oh, great right. little animation. Every time you finish a level, she just flicks her hair and I'm like, wow, that looks fucking good. Like, it's just really, really nice. Um, and a uh, big one from Hades. Just just Eurydice's room in Hades. Just like every time mm. you go there and she's singing, mm. I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to sit here and listen to that. It's so fucking great. So, um, yeah, hell, hell of vibes of, of that. Um, yeah, those those are probably a lot of the ones I've had. Um, there's there's loads, right? Like this is. I, I could spend the whole other day researching this and come up oh, with totally. like forty more, and yeah, yeah. you can just keep going because it's exactly. I think it's, a, it's like a fundamental part, as especially in like more modern games, like they're just there's a real emphasis on attention to detail, and you know, it's yeah. that kind of gamers, especially like in the circles we listen to, are so much more invested in these worlds and characters and exploring the intricate spaces and wanting to discover things in those intricate spaces people don't want to go out of their way to go on some side thing and then go down a path and work out that there wasn't actually anything at that path and like i think it's a real modern thing to like make sure that there's something interesting in most spaces now yeah for sure um so yeah it's a great question and you know maybe we'll revisit it again in the future if we can think of some more because they're always happening there's always always popping off uh, for certain so there you go um cool well we are going to quickly touch on the uh, indie world uh, that happened uh, which had some cool announcements some fun things being put onto nintendo switch uh Bally, should we start off with uh, the big one oh, the one God. that i'm sure you're most excited oh, about yes. Sports story, story finally coming out it's coming out in december we don't have a date yet but they said december uh is it going to come out in time for our game of the year probably not but uh you know i think we're both looking forward to that one quite a bit right? oh massively and it's got cricket in it what more could you possibly want cricket cricket yeah. in a video game you love it they're an australian dev team so they know how they to are. do cricket right they know what um, it's about but yeah, what are you expecting from Sports Story? I want it to feel as fresh as Golf Story. And I think the fact that it's hopefully going to keep bouncing around so many different sports will give it that freshness. Um, I am, I'm a massive fan of golf in the first place. So I like I liked Golf Story for that. I thought the golf mechanics in Golf Story were very solid. If they can apply mechanics that are that solid across a range of sports, I think this could be an incredibly special game, especially if they manage to replicate some of the charm in a lot of the dialogue and locations. Like, There's a whole like murder mystery in Golf Story. If they can replicate things like that that are just like quirky and silly and funny and stick that into a 20, 25-hour like, RPG-style game, like that's, that's got the makings of a fantastic, fantastic... Um, game and still blows my mind golf story isn't on other platforms it's crazy um, isn't it yeah it's insane i think it's still the only switch exclusive indie of all time uh there's no others because they're all on steam or other places um, at this point which is crazy insane um yeah i i 
loved golf story i thought there was a bit too much golf uh, for my taste you know <laughs> ironic so this is the it's, perfect game then yeah i think the variety in terms of different sports you're doing and stuff i think will really help my favorite part of golf story was the fucking murder mystery inside the house right, right. like i thought that was awesome and um i like when it leans into like, the writing was always really funny in that game you know i like when it leads into like oh let's go on a metal gear stealth mission uh, in this snowy area right like they did some really fun stuff and obviously they had like the the uh, disc golf and, and other elements there and i thought the golf mechanics were really good but for me like at the end it's like all right win this 18 holes i'm like well if i fuck up once and i'm done right um that is not there's like very traditional golf tournaments in yep. there occasionally yes yeah. uh which i i enjoyed to a point but i'm not bally and i i'm not i'm not good enough to like perfect it first time right so uh there was a there was a lot of tension there of me being like oh, i don't know if i want to uh or if i'm gonna do this properly so yeah still looking forward to it a lot though uh, and i think you know they got cricket in there so i'm already on board um uh, so a few things that really stood out to me uh pepper grinder from devolver looks fucking great uh it's basically drill dozer where you're just like you've got this drill and you're just like blazing through it looks um looks really good feels like ori and the will of the wisps those sand sections uh very much feels like a game designed around that one mechanic mm. and i'm sure you can do a lot of interesting stuff with it um yeah as someone who just played drill dozer this year but also is a huge fan of ori like i i definitely like the vibes that this game is putting down and um yeah devolver they don't really miss do they and that's next year and they've also got like gumbrella next year yeah like, both of these games just seem very movement focused yes and that kind of like snappy 2d platforming action it's very exactly exciting. yeah so so yeah that's, that's really exciting so looking forward to that uh goodbye world which is now out on switch actually which is the one that looks like eastward it has that kind of pixel art style mm. But it's about uh, game developers making a game. And so they're like, it's narrative focused. They're like trying to make a game, but it's also about their life making the game, uh, which is just sounds really cool. Um, I've looked into it. I think it's only a few hours long. And I definitely, you know, among every other fucking video game I'm playing, I would like to play that this year, um, at least before the end of the year and check that out because that seems up my alley, uh, aesthetically anyway. So I'm interested in that. Uh, similar with A Space for the Unbound, uh, which is a kind of side-scrolling really nice pixel art style uh, narrative game as well uh, which i think is coming out the day before fire emblem engage in january so you know it's <laughs> january's going to be savage i think three days in a row there's that then there's fire emblem and then the day after is yakuza ishin so uh yeah i'm battle horberg's also announced his game's going to come out in january yeah yeah exactly there's one of his games coming out that looks like a extermination force follow-up oh, of some it. kind so yeah exciting stuff um but yeah um there's, there's a few things that have been on other platforms that are coming to switch as well so rogue legacy 2 which i really if there's one game that i've missed from this year that i need to play is rogue legacy 2 uh so switch might be the place that i play it i don't know uh, you didn't play the original did you Bally? i never got around to it um it's it might be you know game trades coming up you might want to stick that on your list for me but i yeah it's just one of those games on the the mbz has told bali to play but hasn't played yet list but yeah 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 i'm sure you'll get to it at some point maybe just straight into the second one i guess at yeah. this point um and inscription oh my god that's one you really do need to play bali mm. finally come and switch as well uh which is which is very good i'm surprised that's not on the game pass yet but um yeah we'll see is it on xbox uh i think it is yes okay. i believe so i believe it's on all platforms i do need to play that game i'd like to get to that next year yeah it's really really good um there's uh, also uh, a game that is similar to Unpacking from uh, last year. A little to the left. Uh, what do you think about this one, Bali? Are you interested? Uh, I am. It's already out. The review's looking pretty good. I imagine it's quite a short experience, and I really loved Unpacking. I 
I like the fact that there seem to be multiple ways of completing levels in this game. So you're like you're like organizing things in the house. Not not dissimilar from from unpacking, but it is yeah. it's more like specific, almost like vignettes, kind of like little things you gotta organize. And there's yes. apparently a cat that like muddles everything up Messes and then you gotta it up, reorganize yeah. it. And it's like oh yeah. no, no no the cat the year of the cat that's what exactly. this year is the year of the cat. Um, 100%. So yeah, I I am interested. I'd like to pick that up that up on Switch. I'll probably get to it next year. Um, yeah, just too, seems like a good kind of like touchscreen game as well. Hmm. You know, moving stuff around so. Um, yeah, I definitely am interested in checking that out too. Seems very, very cute and adorable and uh, chill. Very, very kind of chill game. Um, the other one that I was interested in is the one they opened with, Venba, uh, which I've been aware of for a while. It's, it's a weird thing about the job that I do is now I watch these indie worlds and I'm just like, oh yeah, I, I know every game here because I've seen them, you know, in the last couple of years of working in the industry, um, which kind of robs a little bit of the joy of, like, surprise because I'm like, nothing really surprises me uh, in, anymore. But... Was there nothing there you'd not seen before? No, so I hadn't seen Pepper Grinder, I don't okay. think. But, um... Devolver seem to have, like, their own... Yeah, they've like, got some fucking weird magic networks of channels. Exactly. That they, don't, yeah. they keep their developers hidden. Well, yeah. yeah, when you're uh, as big as them, you don't have to go and find developers that are already making stuff on the internet. You can. Yeah, they sneakily come to you. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, pretty much every other one I've either emailed or I've talked to them in some way or I've heard of it or seen it on Twitter That's in cool. some way. Um, Botany Manor, I think, is being made by someone who worked on. Oh, what's the game she she's part of the team for another indie game but this was her side project basically and i emailed her like two years ago um and yeah and now it's cool seeing it in an indie direct you know wow. a very very fun thing so um yeah i would say uh sorry venba is the one uh at the, the beginning that i it's an indian cooking game and i emailed ah, yeah. them and i was like hey your name is uh abby which is the same name as my dad so i was like <laughs> hey let's see if we can get a connection here uh and then they never emailed me back but, oh. uh, but um but yeah it, it looks really cool Vember seems really really neat it's like an indian cooking game very chill vibes um very narrative focused it seems uh and yeah very very cool so yeah lots of good stuff in there i think and you know these these indie worlds continue i think to deliver on like new interesting stuff as well as stuff that's been on other platforms that people are looking forward to playing on Switch specifically. Um, I think this is probably one of the better ones, honestly. Like, there's loads of good stuff in here, from mm. Dordogne, which is that interesting, like, watercolor painting one, to Akka, which is the kind of, like, little animal um, raccoon guy going around. Have a Nice Death has been on other platforms for a while that's really popular. Storyteller from uh, Devolver as well, I think. Or it might be Annapurna, I can't remember. I think it's Annapurna doing Storyteller. The kind of, like, the one where you you know narratively put things together with with like changing you know people's names and, and things like that loads of cool interesting stuff and uh yeah i think that nintendo just continue to kind of knock out of the park when it comes to these things um so overall really good job but um but yeah i think that's probably all we have to say on the indie world yeah that's all the indie world time we got this time um i guess we gotta go into this third segment mbz because we do, it's yeah. time to discuss the game awards and let's get some predictions so we will join you in the third segment we will be right back
Alright everybody, welcome back to the last part of today's show. It's time Bally, we're coming there, it's the end of the year, people are thinking about Game of the Year, and most importantly of all, Jeff Keighley is thinking about Game of the Year, because he does his little award show, uh, where he puts all the messages out to the media of the world and says, hey guys, tell me what you think are the good games, and then they write back to him and say, Jeff, we think that Genshin Impact is great. It should win all the awards. Um, and yeah, and then they put out nominees and then they make categories and then people vote on them, mainly uh, the outlets themselves. So the outlets vote on them. It's, it really frustrates me every year after the Game Awards being like, oh, Jeff hates Sonic. It's like, Jeff has nothing to do with any of the nominees or the winners. Like, they're all voted for. Like, oh my God, there's lots of stupid people on Twitter who are like, well, why does Sonic not get nominated? It's like, well lot of reasons but also like <laughs> there is a not, long list of reasons it's not jeff Keeley's fault all right you know he just runs the thing he hasn't he does not make any of these decisions he can, he can choose who he includes in the the choosing circle oh yeah he yeah of course he he um he selects the outlets who vote that, on yeah, it of course yeah. yeah yeah totally um but it's pretty globalized at this point like there are outlets from all over the world um i still think it's probably a u.s dominant but still that's only like a maybe 25% of the total voting mm. uh, outlets are US-based. So this is why this tends to lean towards the more popular stuff because it's yeah. more global, I think. Certainly, uh, It Takes Two winning last year was quite a yes. pleasant surprise. Personally. Yeah, it was a bit of an upset as well, I think, yeah. in a lot of ways. So a um, death loop, I guess. Yeah, totally. Um, so, Bally, we're going to do some predictions here. Um, basically, we're going to say what we think is going to win, um, which is different to what we want to we'll win. Do both. Sure. We'll do both. We can be All right, fun. okay. Um, um, we are skipping esports, and we are jumping straight into most anticipated game. And we've got Final Fantasy sixteen, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. They've not written Breath of the Wild <laughs> Too. No, they have not. They've also not written Kingdom of Tears. Uh, so, I think Zelda yeah. will win, and I want Zelda to win. Yeah, I also like agree. The fourth year in a row. Or something. I think that like Elden Ring has won this award before. Now Elden Ring's out, so it's like, what's the next one that people want? It's Zelda, probably most of all. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only way I th- can see it swinging is if some weird rabid Harry Potter fan base gets up oh, in arms God. and is like, "Hey, oh, vote for this." God. Yeah, please no, please yeah, no. Yeah. But I think um, Zelda's pretty safe. Best adaptation, which is recognizing yeah. outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. Um, well, that's interesting as a tagline. But, yeah, okay. so we've got yeah. Arcane League of Legends, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. I love that this category exists and that we yeah. are now talking about games in a non-gaming sphere, which is fun. Sure. Um, I've not watched a single one of these <laughs> um, and probably don't intend on watching them. I might watch Uncharted at some point. Bali, you, I, I, I have to say this. You have to watch Arcane. Arcane is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my fucking As, life. A lot of people say that, and I think for that reason, I think it will win. And to be honest, versus all these, I probably want it to win. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the only one I think has a chance is Cyberpunk because that is recent and so recency bias. But also, it's it's the game that uh, sorry, it's the 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 thing <coughs> that has got people back into uh, playing the game Cyberpunk, right? Like people really like what they did with that anime, uh, and it seems like it's extremely well done. And I still need to watch it. I would like to watch it, but um, look, Arcane is Arcane is so above anything like Uncharted is a fucking joke at being here. It's, it's here because they needed a, f- a fifth slot, basically, right? Like. Arcane is just. I mean, they're just te- this. This category is just teeing up Last of Us for next year. That's all. That's the, sure, the, exactly. the primary reason. I guess yeah. Last of Us will go up against Mario Movie next year. That'd oh well, yeah, exactly. That will be that will be the face off that everyone's yeah. looking for. But um, 
Arcane is just one of the best TV shows I have ever seen in my entire life. Well, so, like, there you go. look, it, <laughs> it's not just a video game adaptation that's good. It's just a fucking fantastic TV show. Um, and, yes, if there's any any show, Bally, I would say that you need to watch, it's Arcane. Um, All right. Yeah. Number one for me. So, best, yeah, I think it will win. Best debut indie. Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, Vampire Survivors. Yeah, I have a little bit of beef with this category because, I mean technically neon white is by a new quote-unquote studio but ben esposito did make donut county before so right i think it's a little bit sketch that that's in here but i guess if it's a new studio then yeah technically that that counts um it's weird because stray has got a lot of love in these awards and it's also nominated for game of the year so if it doesn't win here it's a little weird i would say and i don't necessarily want it to win but like i don't know i feel like it could um I'm going to say Vampire Survivors wins here because it hasn't got a lot of love in other categories. Yeah, I think yeah. people want to give it some love. So I think I'm going to go with Vampire Survivors. And who do you want to win? Uh, Tunic, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I think Vampire Survivors, I think it might be its only nom. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's the right place for that game to win. But obviously, I love Tunic. I want that game to win. Yeah, I hope Tunic wins something, at yeah. least in these awards. Yeah, for sure. Content creator of the year. Oh, uh, weird. Carl okay. Jacobs, Ludwig Nebellian, Nobru, and QT <laughs> Cinderella. I've not heard of anyone other than Nebellian, because that's of course. My, my online sphere. So. Yeah, because Bally doesn't exist outside of exist uh, outside Twitter, Twitter basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've heard of all of these except for Nobru. I'm not sure who he is. Um, Carl Jacobs, apparently, like is friends with Blessing and has known him since before he blew up. <laughs> uh, he's now like one of the biggest streamers in the world, which is kind of insane. Um uh ludwig and cutie cinderella they're a couple uh they're a streamer couple basically so it's interesting that both what? of them have been yeah both of them well i mean they're dating each other yeah um so... no but like both of them are nominated is... yeah both of them are nominated i i don't know i don't know if they've done anything significant this this year but ludwig was known for his um his uh subathon which is basically like people keep subscribing and he has to keep streaming until there's like an hour count that never ends basically and it lasted for like two weeks or something crazy <laughs> um, so uh <laughs> but i don't know if he's done anything significant this year or not um nebellion's an interesting one because it's just like one of these is not like the others right like it's it's he quit twitter and it's like such a different type of i just feel like this award is so weird because like half of it is twitch streamers there's never any youtube representation here like uh, i think greg like, miller was on before but that was also it wasn't called Con- that was trending gamer and that was six years ago so it's a different the awards okay. the award has changed quite a bit since then um but yeah i when they when they say content creator they tend to lean towards streamers because that tends to be the most famous people these days, even though there's loads of interesting YouTube video essayists and stuff. Like, Jacob Geller should be nominated for this award one year, Mark you know? Brown, like, yeah. yeah, people like that. And they just don't... They're just like, oh, who are the famous streamers? I think this is also one of those categories where the audience votes, so it's basically just a popularity contest, really. Yeah. So I think so That's got to make that money, and I guess they got to do the Twitch streamers. Yeah, that. I, I don't know. If Look, if the media are voting on this, then Nebellion walks it pretty easily because they all know who he is. Uh, but if it's fans voting, there's, then there's yeah, good point. I think there's a fair few of our sort of podcast circles that are obviously big Nebellion fans, and a lot of them are on these voting panels. But as you say, the US outlets make up quite a small portion, and you right. question how well known Nebellion would be outside of that. But yeah. he's got a shot. It, yeah, it it does depend on is this fan voted or is this. Uh, judge voted if it's judge voted then nebellion wins if it's fan voted i think probably carl jacobs because he's probably the most famous out of those right. but yeah anyway best multiplayer call of duty modern warfare 2 multiverses overwatch 2 splatoon 3 teenage mutant ninja turtle shredders revenge it's a really hard one um, really hard i think 
uh, general sentiment on Overwatch 2 is negative, so I think it's probably not going to win. Um, I might give it to Overwatch personally, but I don't think yeah. it's going to win. Um, I think Splatoon 3 actually has a good shot here. Like, Call of Duty didn't review super well. Multiverses is like kind of a snap in the pan. And Mutant Ninja Tales is very different from all of these, so I'm, I'm going to go with Splatoon 3, I think. I agree. I think Splatoon 3 will win because there's a little, something to say against all the others, arguably. Um, and obviously, I would love Overwatch 2 to win because I'm a big Overwatch 2 fan. <laughs> yeah, I kind of don't want it to win because it's like the same game and they basically True. didn't do much to change it. And Blizzard kind of still sucks. So, yes, True. I've played like 50 hours of Overwatch 2, but also yeah, kind of fuck that game. Um, <laughs> uh, best sport slash racing. F1 22, FIFA 23, NBA 2K 23, Gran Turismo 7, Oli Oli World. Oli Oli World needs to win just because it's not got a number in it. You know? Yeah, but also, like, it's just not. <laughs> it's like, yeah, technically it's a skating game. It's really a platformer, though, isn't it? Like, Well, um... it says for the best traditional and non traditional okay. sports and racing yeah, game. Sure, so yeah. It's a non traditional sports game. I mean, one of these is not like the other, which is Oli Oli World. Yeah. Like, I think that actually has a good chance of winning just because most people are like you'll have some sports people who have played the racing games you'll have some sports people yeah. who have played the. but everyone's FIFA. played a bit of all the holy world yeah or at least like it's or more it's, than the it's rest more, at least. it's more mainstream and widely appealing because yeah. like i'm never gonna play fifa or nba you know i'm just it's never gonna happen yeah. uh so i don't know i feel all like the holy world appears in this but none of the in it might be an indie later i can't even remember i don't think it is no, no, i think all the holy world's gonna win i think it can and, yeah, and i want I it to win so. Let's yeah, same, same. Next category is best sim slash strategy, which is best game focused on real time or turn based simulator or strategy <laughs> gameplay, irrespective of platform. So that's quite a wide ranging um, yeah. scope. Uh, June Spice Wars, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Total War, Warhammer Three, uh, Two Point Campus, and Victoria Three. Uh, well, I know that Caroline is massively voting for Two Point Campus. She's yeah, like sixty hours into that game and loving it. Damn. So. I, I, I'm skeptical that Mario Plus Rabbids has made a big enough impact, but I don't know enough about the others. I disagree. I think because Mario Plus Rabbids is the most similar to the Oli Oli World argument from the previous it's category, different. it's the most mainstream and easy to get into one. So most people will probably have checked it out at least a little bit, right? Like, <laughs> you know, if you're someone who isn't that into strategy games, are you going to play Dune Spice Wars? No. Are you going to play Total War? No. You're going to play Mario plus Rabbids? Maybe it's got Mario in it, you know? Like, I think that it's most people will just vote for that because it's yeah. the easy entry that most journalists will have played. No, you so, me. Yeah. You me. so I want it to win, and I think it will win. Yeah, same here. Let's go. Right, best family. For the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. That's incorrect. It should say, for Nintendo, the best game Nintendo, made Nintendo. by Nintendo. Uh, should be, yeah. Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga, Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, and Splatoon 3. Yeah. Um, hmm. So I think a lot of people were disappointed that Kirby didn't get much representation generally across the board here. Yeah. Um, I think this is probably where it wins something because it's... Of these games, looking at the voting people, I think it's probably the one that's the most widely appealing and highest quality overall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'd like it to win as well. I think that Mario plus Rabbids, like we just said, the other category, it can win that. So I'd like Kirby to win this. And yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, you, I think it right. will. People were bummed it's not in other categories, but yeah. Yeah. Also, wow, Nintendo Switch Sports really came and went, didn't it? Like, man. Yeah. Wow. They they should have got that golf app by now, at least, as well. And they haven't. Yeah. It's just like, eesh, yeah. I enjoyed it, but, you know, doesn't seem like many pe other people did. No. 
Yeah, definitely um, fell off. Best bit. fighting. And this is not best fighting game. This is best fighting for the best game designed <laughs> primarily around head-to-head combat. And we've got DNF Jewel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All Star Battle R, The King of Fighters 15, Multiverses, and Sifu. Why is Sifu here? Because it's a game primarily around head-to-head combat. Yes, head-to-head combat means multiple players. <laughs> it just it is so baffling that Sifu is even allowed in this category. It makes no fucking sense. Um, obviously, there are not enough fighting games this year to go around, which is why it's here. But it's so stupid. Like, it's... I don't know. I, look, all genres are dumb, but like at least fighting games, you know what a fighting game is. Sifu's not a fighting I, game. I per- Honestly, there's a lot of things wrong with these awards. I don't mind Sifu being here. It's a game about fighting, and this is a fighting category. It's, a, oh, no, it's not it's a fighting not. game category. It's not, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know. Maybe that is why they changed it to best fighting yes. as opposed to best yeah. fighting game. They, 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 um, Keely's going to wangle these definitions until he can fit yeah. <laughs> the five games that need to go in that those five but that's the hard thing about fighting games right is like most years there's just not enough of them and most of them are like bad get like i've heard that certain games on this list are just like not very like the jojo game right like it's just not a very good video game so i think we're coming to the conclusion that sifu's probably gonna win then no i don't think so i think that like the actual best fighting game here is king of fighters 15 and people voting on this category are gonna be fighting game people so i think uh 15 actually takes it because it is of all the fighting games here the highest quality fighting game uh i just sifu winning this would just be just laughable i'm gonna i think sifu's gonna win it i, I think it's gonna win uh, i hope it doesn't because i think it would be so fucking stupid if it won this category but maybe that maybe that just says just get rid of this category you know i think you're not you're not reading the definition of the category closely enough That's it's the, the ca- category is categorically wrong head-to-head combat <laughs> means two people versus each other jeff keely is never wrong right next category oh best God. role-playing for the best game designed with rich player character customization and progress- progression, including massively multiplayer experiences. That's a that's the worst definition yet. Um, sure. Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends, Arceus, Triangle Strategy, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah, I mean, as soon as Elden Ring enters any conversation, it's generally probably just going to be that. Um, which, so. you know, I <laughs> I like to think that these awards go in the way of like, hey, you know, one of these games hasn't been nominated elsewhere and we kind of want to give it his flowers but i think was i think last year definitely basically won everything it was nominated yeah. in other than game of the year yeah I could be wrong exactly on that. that's what right. i seem to remember it tends um, to be that people will just pick what they think the best yes. overall game yeah. is right i would um, love for live live or pokemon to do well in this um because they're not really nominated anywhere else and this sure is their, or yeah. triangle strategy for the matter time to shine yes. but um yeah, yeah I, I i think it'll be elden ring so yeah, I mean, I I want Xenoblade to win. Of course, I do. Like, it should win. Uh, it's it's the best RPG of the year. But yeah. Elden Ring is the more widely appealing one. Weirdly, even though it's a Souls game, it's it's broken through in that way. <laughs> and uh, the the thing about character customization is like pretty like that's like Elden Ring to a nutshell, right? So yeah, I think uh, I think yeah. Elden Ring wins wins pretty easily. Best action adventure for the best action adventure game, <laughs> combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. A oh Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Tunic. So uh, how, how's the combat in Stray? Didn't hear much about uh, the combat <laughs> Apparently in Stray. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, I think this is probably God of War pretty handily. I think that I think of so. these games, it probably defines that category the best and is probably yeah. the best overall from a mainstream perspective. Yeah. I would put my money behind Tunic as the best one here. But God of War probably See, is going to take it. Like the the genre defining aspects of Tunic 
aren't even arguably action adventure they're more like yeah. the, the puzzle world building but we can anyway we can yeah. get there but we'll, sure. we'll see i think i agree god of war i think it's going to sweep a lot so yeah i do really want to play plague tale especially with all the nominations mm. it's got here um the first game is really good so far that i've been playing and i do want to get to that second one so yeah okay this is where you're vindicated on the whole fighting game bollocks um, all right here we go best action game for the ah. best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. Huh, interesting. Bayonetta 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, <laughs> Neon White, <laughs> Sifu, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Shredder's Revenge. None of these get... What? Neon White, Bayonetta 3, Sifu? This is like a pointless the... category. That All these games are nominated elsewhere, I think, other than Bayonetta 3. And yeah. Yeah, it, it, this is... And again, like we've talked about how there's so few character action games these days i feel like this is where they would otherwise be but um yeah can't because there's no. not enough yeah because bayonetta is the only one basically yeah, at the moment exactly. um yeah i think bayonetta should probably win this i have a it's um duty. <laughs> yeah it's like that you shoot guns very actiony <laughs> it's an action game you know there's no puzzle solving or like platforming in call of duty you just shoot it's all action yeah, yeah. um so weird anyway. yeah i think neon white maybe has a shot here but maybe that's just my bias of the people i listen to on the internet talk about it i don't know i think bayonetta 3 is gonna win yeah i think bayonetta 3 is gonna win yeah because um, it's uh, too saucy to be in the nintendo category so exactly yeah <laughs> yeah it's the only nintendo game published this year that isn't family yeah. uh I, I arguably xenoblade 3 as well there's a lot of swearing in xenoblade mm, 3 and point dark themes so yeah um but i really want to play neon white at some point it's you know people raving about that game so yeah totally. check it out best vr ar for the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality irrespective of platform after the fall among us vr bone lab moss book 2 red matter 2 yeah a lot of these i just haven't heard of yeah, i guess same. um moss is the only one where i'd be like yeah really enjoyed first moss i hear the second one's very good as well um i'd like that to win yeah it might win for name recognition unless they've got like vr specialists there yeah if we're talking if we're talking name recognition then among us vr wins probably uh but i don't know how good that is so we'll see innovation in accessibility yeah uh, we've got as dusk falls god of war ragnarok return to monkey island last of us part one the quarry yeah, Sony's first-party games tend to be leading the charge when it comes to this stuff. They're yeah. the one that get props for it anyway. And uh, I think if anything was was praised about Last of Us Part 1, it was the accessibility stuff in that game. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the one that takes it. Naughty Dog are probably the best in the business when it comes to that stuff. God of War, I would give props to, but um, the whole puzzle thing, not being able oh, to be yeah. toggled mm. off is really mm. frustrating. Yeah, and totally um, Yeah, that kind of dings it a little bit for me. But um, yeah, I would say Last of Us is probably I agree, the one Last that takes part it. One. Yeah, it's gonna win. Best community support. We got Apex Legends, Destiny Two, Final Fantasy Fourteen, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. Yeah, and No Man's uh, Sky won this a couple of times. Yeah, because Sean Murray was in the middle of taking a drink, and then he was like, "Oh, oh yeah. I won." Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think so. Um, I, I, I've, I guess he must have done more support for it between last time yeah. and now. So yeah. again, this is like one of the games as a service category. There's yes. a couple of them. Um, it's just a question of like which one has been the best yeah. supported this year um that sort of stuff i think destiny 2 probably has a shoe in for this like the community around destiny 2 seems to be going from strength to strength and like yeah it seems like they turned it around the, the, this year and did a lot of cool stuff so. the fact that these five games are going strong arguably in 2022 speaks to how well supported like these communities have been yeah totally um i have no i have no knowledge of any of these so i'm 
I would say like Fortnite has a shout here because of the the uh, Dragon Ball Z stuff that it did earlier in this year. Yeah. Especially like listening to our circle, so many people in podcasts I listen to getting into Fortnite this year. Mm, that's um, very I true. Think, yeah, I think they've done, but I don't think it's very different from what they've done before. It's just people that I know of are getting into Fortnite. Sure. So I would still say Destiny Two. That's what I'm going to side with okay. on this category. Best mobile game. We've got Apex Legends Mobile, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Marvel Snap, Tower of Fantasy. This is what I'm saying about some of these categories where, like, they just put bad video games in there. Like, Diablo Immortal got slammed for its monetization. Like, people fucking hated that game. Mm. It is seemingly a terrible, really nightmarish, horrible thing. And yet, it gets nominated here because, like, oh, I know what Diablo is, right? Like, yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> that's the problem with these categories. I mean, our circles are in love with Marvel Snap for the most oh, yeah. part. So it's, I mean, that's going to win, I think, win. pretty easily. It's, should, it's recency bias. Uh, I did give it a go. Did I you like, like it? Yeah, yeah whatever. Oh, yeah? Um, okay. Yeah, I play, well, I did. I, it was like I was a family gathering. I was like tuning out of the conversation. I was like, I'll just play Marvel Snap in the background <laughs> here. Um, and, uh, you sound like great fun at family gatherings. I'm really fun, yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> also, look, it doesn't help when they're talking about fucking like the queen and shit. Oh, and I'm God, like, just okay. shut the fuck right. up. Right, free pass. You're in the yeah. right. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Well defended. Yeah. Okay, best indie. This yeah. is contentious. Um, oh. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, uh, yeah, if we were just moving on from that previous category, I was just going to say, yeah, Marvel Snap's probably going to win. Snap. And also, like, why was Diablo Immortal? Why is Diablo Immortal over there? Yeah. Best Indie, Cult of the Lamb, Neon White, Sifu, Stray, Tunic. Strong, strong category. Strong. Um, Cult of the Lamb has not got much love here I so far. I would like to get to that game. I think it sounds yeah. like it does a lot of things I like about video games that I should sure. be trying out. Um it sounds like Stray's just going to walk all of these, yeah, unfortunately. Here's the sucks. thing about Stray, right? It's supposed to be like this kind of first-party style uh, yes. Sony experience. My go-to person I trust a lot on for Sony First Party is someone like Greg Miller. Yep. And he hates Stray. Yeah, yeah. And that really shocks me. Like, I should try this game. People have recommended it to me, but... Um, and I'll probably have a good time with it, but I know that no matter how good a time I'll have with Stray, it's, there's no way it's getting past Tunic for me in my mind. Stray, um, Stray has a cheat code, and the cheat code is people fucking love cats that's its cheat yeah. code right yeah. the reason stray is here the reason it became popular from a marketing perspective it's a cat people like cats and look, that's not to take away from the design and the hard work that went into it because i'm sure a lot of that stuff um at the end of the day i look at that game and i'm like this is probably fine you know it's not innovating you know, look at games like neon white like tunic they are really pushing the boundary of video games right they are innovating they're interesting they are on design and technical level just really <coughs> doing fascinating stuff and stray is like yeah we're kind of being a sony first party game with less money and yeah. it's kind of cool right like i i would love for tunic to win in this category it deserves to win probably stray wins right that's kind of how it's gonna go i guess so i guess so and it's a shame yeah best ongoing so this is the other games of service category. I was just I like, haven't we done this category? Yeah, all I think all the nominees are the same except Genshin wasn't in the last one. No Man's Sky was. Yep, yeah, good shout. They've replaced Genshin with no. Yeah, No Man's Sky was. No the Man's other Sky. One. There yeah. you go. Yeah, um, I have no opinions. Um, I would say ongoing content. So if if this counts Endwalker for Final Fantasy, if that wasn't part of the nomination last year, because I think Endwalker came out quite late, then Final Fantasy probably takes it because it's like the culmination of everything they've done in 14. Um I'm going to say Final Fantasy 14 takes it. Yeah. 
because uh, I think Ed Walker probably factors in. Um, if if it's a year where there's no expansion for Final Fantasy, then it probably doesn't win. But if we're talking about an expansion, then it probably does. So uh, I'm going to say 14 probably takes it for Ed Walker. Games for impact for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Define pro-social. That's bizarre. But anyway, right. A memoir blue as dusk falls. Citizen sleeper. Endling extinction is forever. Hindsight and I was a teenage exocolonist. Yeah, um, um, fascinating. This has stuff. six noms, not five. That's yeah, great. so apparently, according to Jeff, that happens if there's a tie. Basically, if there's oh. like a tie between the fifth Fourth, and sixth fifth one, and sixth, then. Right. Oh yeah, they'll they'll bring in um, an extra one basically. Well, I've only played Citizen Sleeper and I absolutely loved it, and it's not yeah. getting any love in any other categories. Um, yes. So you played a Memoir Blue? You weren't? I did. Yeah, impressed? Memoir Blue is not very good. It's okay. just kind of boring. And, and I, I don't... remember Endling Extinction Forever being in the Nintendo Indies yes. that I never got around to playing. Yeah, either. I would like to check that out. Um, um, people like As Dusk Falls, but I don't know if it works for this category. It's probably just like people just said it's a really good narrative. It's not necessarily yeah. like an impactful narrative. Right, it's just like it's good drama, but like Citizen Sleeper has things to say about oh, like yeah. bodies oh, and yeah. humanity, oh, and yeah. like it's a fascinating exploration and deep dive on like mm. these topics, uh, as well as a compelling game just from a just from the the, the dice stuff and the all of that. How it works? Do you know much about Hindsight? And I was a teenage exocolonist. Yeah, so Hindsight um, has supposedly done okay, but I don't know that it's actually like greg miller is the kind of person who talks about these types of games and i don't think he was that into what hindsight was doing um i haven't checked it out but i would like to uh, i've recently heard a lot of people talking about i was a teenage exocolonist uh supposedly extremely interesting probably kind of touching on similar topics as citizen sleeper um and uh, yeah. yeah it's one that i do want to check out because a lot of people i respect have been talking about i was a teenage exocolonist so i think that has a chance of taking it but i think citizen sleeper probably is the one yeah. I would I'm not I'm not the biggest reader and I read 12 13 hours or whatever of Citizen Sleeper was of getting every single ending and thoroughly enjoyed that game and yeah this is a great category I think As Dusk Falls quite a lot of my circles played it I'm not sure if that implies it's widespread but um I think Citizen Sleeper will win actually and I hope it does I really hope it does yeah it's fantastic best performance uh we've got ashley birch in horizon forbidden west charlotte mcburney a plague tale requiem christopher judge a god of war ragnarok man engage in immortality and sunni suljik uh, in god of war ragnarok so this is the first time i think immortality has shown up um, yes and look christopher judge amazing performance in god of war um and sunny also i think i love atreus in this game like i think he's really good and a mm. big improvement on the first game and both give amazing performances and they are emotional, and they are really heartfelt, and they are just e- exceptional work. They do not hold a candle to what Man and Gage yes. does in Immortality. Like, Supposedly she's shit. just out of acting school. Yeah, which she's is remarkable. Like, the levels, the layers of what she has to do in that game is just on another fucking level. <laughs> like, and I appreciate, probably Christopher Judge wins this, because it's like, well, everyone's played God of War, he does a really good job. If there is a god, he's not won it before. Apparently, I think some people right. thought he had. He lost. He, he lost to uh, the guy who did Arthur in Red Dead. Which, fair enough. Yes, that, that was, was a, a great performance. Fant- yes, totally um, agree. Yeah, but like, if there is a god, Man Engage has to win this award. Holy shit! Yes, like, what a performance. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think she will win. I think. Yeah. The, I think immortality was played enough, at least by our circles, that it's got a good chance. So I'm going to say Christopher Judge wins because it's just the mainstream easy thing to do. Fair so. enough. 
yeah. best audio design call of duty modern warfare 2 elden ring god of war ragnarok grand Theft 7 rising from the west how much money can uh-huh. you pile into sound i was gonna say this but like that's kind of the indie category as well right like if we talk about indie games can we really call devolver an indie publisher anymore they're on the stock market they're worth billions <laughs> right like it's just i don't know you know um well, so that's the publisher not the developer well that's what i'm saying is these awards are about popularity and marketing power right and money essentially and all the indies that are nominated they're all publisher from big publisher indies right they're not indie that has no publisher they're not an itch game right like there's almost a level of difference between indie games these yeah, days that true. has kind of like elevated past which is why i'm just bringing it up now because like sound design again it's a money thing right it's like you have all the money to put into this um i was very impressed by god of war's uh, sound design like i think it's building on the first game but the mm. acts don't sound so fucking good yeah. just all the movement stuff in that game the combat the i think also audio design includes stuff like uh mimir calling people out behind you and stuff like that right yeah like, i can i can um playing well i've played ragnarok so far i'm playing with headphones i can really tell when my like partner character i'm playing with is behind me in front of me to the right yes like there's yeah. a real location and that's been going on in games for years obviously but like yeah. i can really tell uh especially like returning the axe and stuff like that um yeah just lots of satisfying stuff. sounds as well which yeah. i think are really yeah. good uh you played horizon would you say that's kind of on par yeah I, all of these are probably so good and first party stuff from sony has been so good for so long that it kind of all just blends together in my mind yeah, not to say yeah. it's bad but it's all so good that it's it's not doesn't stand out but i don't know much about sound yeah. this is usually the category where like call of duty wins for the gun sounds or like a car yeah. game Grand wins for, the right, car get it for the engines i guess yeah. yeah i can't really call this i don't think elden ring will win it i think elden ring uh has okay sound design but it's not yeah. like up to the level best score and music outstanding music inclusive or of score original song and or licensed soundtrack mm. a playtale yes. requiem elden ring god of war ragnarok metal hell singer xenoblade chronicles 3 this is a really depressing category um look elden ring Mate, has you a... got your xenoblade chronicles 3 here uh, yeah, okay, that's yes well cool. look we'll get to that you've, but been, look, you've I just... been clamoring for xenoblade music yes. to be nominated in yes. this category yes. for a decade and I you have. finally got it and i'm moaning i'm still moaning because <laughs> because like look is okay i played like five six hours of the original plague tale i I don't think i can tell you any song in that game um i'm i'm gonna guess it's a similar type of soundtrack for the second game it's the triple a type of soundtrack we talk about this all the time it's like kind of like in the background kind of okay like nothing memorable it's one song with motifs and they do that different motifs throughout the whole game and that's considered incredible song licensing exactly exactly yes and there's like look elden ring has a banging opening song it's fucking amazing and they reprise it in the final boss fight and holy shit it's hype as hell but like a lot of elden ring is like atmospheric music and like you know creepy music and all that sort of stuff god of war is the same like god of war is leaning on the themes of the first game there are a couple of new songs in there that are really nice and thematic and you know the music's really good in that game i think it's, it's really good but it just doesn't it's not a soundtrack i would put on and listen to and i don't want that to be like what this category is defined by but like i always i prefer soundtracks like that and that's why metal hellsinger and xenoblade stand out to me as the top two in this this category metal hellsinger because like all original music from uh well-known artists in the space of metal um and it's all really fucking good like it sounds so good it's really well performed it's built into the game design itself right the whole game is built around music maybe that's a bit of a cheat code for it getting to this category but um i think it deserves it i think metal hellsinger has 
It has a couple of songs that I've listened to a bunch outside the game, uh, and I think are just bangers generally from a music perspective. And then, look, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, if it doesn't win here, I literally am right. I'm walking out of the fucking room. <laughs> I'm quitting the podcast, frankly, because this should represent Yasunori Mitsuda, one of the greatest composers of all time, but also Xenoblade has, in the last decade, put out three of the best soundtracks in all of video games like they are just like flawless top to bottom incredible like varied every song is amazing it does the motif thing but it also has unique different music for different uh, sequences it has the best boss fight music in the series this game does and also most crucially the narrative is built around music the two flutes the way that the narrative the relationship between noah and mio is built around that musical uh, relationship is so important to the core of the emotions of this game and it is just like a masterclass in how you use music to do storytelling it's incredible stuff uh, and if it doesn't win i fucking quit basically um so yes do you think it's gonna win i mm, <laughs> yes against my better judgment i think i think god of all ragnarok god of all Rag- you're right god of all ragnarok um, will win because people are fucking boring i'd love to see Hellsinger or xenoblade win it though because it's just a bit yeah. different and better yeah but yeah totally we'll see uh best art direction elden ring god of all ragnarok horizon forbidden west scorn stray scorn is an interesting pick here uh hasn't been nominated for anything else but uh it's got it's got funky visuals that game for people, sure. yeah people say you know there's a lot wrong with that game but you know something they did that's unusually unique it's the art direction so. yeah it's pretty striking we'll see. um yeah again like stray god of war and horizon fit into the category of like pretty looking nice games um i don't know if you watched uh jess over at giant bomb uh Voidberger did a really good video essay on why horizon looks terrible and is really fan- fa- uh, fascinating of like the visual design of that game and how it's actually kind of like weird and doesn't make a lot of sense hmm. um but very w- worth watching that yeah i think visually forbidden west is such an improvement on the first game personally i do need to see our video but yeah um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it will win. It's not doing no. anything unusual. Yeah. Um, uh, I I think the locations in God of War so far are spectacular. And yeah, they're spectacular. That's got a shout, but I'm sure I, that's the same case with Elden Ring. Yeah, I, th- I think Elden Ring takes this, honestly, just yeah. from a sheer creativity standpoint and a the sense of awe that I had in Elden Ring is, like, unmatched. It is just, like staggering like as that world opens and opens up to you and you see more and more stuff and the kind of creativity behind it and like the the like liminal spaces in that game of just like how does this exist in this space like it makes no logical sense but it's stunning um i think elden ring probably takes this one uh, and i would put my money behind it as well personally so i agree Best narrative: A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality. Yeah, uh, nice I think that Immortality God... made it in here. It's nice. It's nice. I think God of War wins this pretty easily from a general voting perspective. Um, yeah. There was a lot of uh, discourse on Twitter about Elden Ring being nominated in this category. You know, it does. What is a narrative? It has no narrative. Yeah, it look. It does narrative in a unique way, only unique to video games. So in many ways, it should win this award because it like all all of these others just do, except for immortality. Well, I guess actually is immortality. I mean, immortality is a very unique. Narrative, is yeah, immortality is very um, unique versus um, these other four. But, but Plague Tale, Horizon, God of War, are just like hey, we're movies basically. Yeah, we're, we're movies, but 
you can play us yeah exactly um <laughs> yeah immortality and elden ring definitely the most interesting structural narratives uh but also like from the things the way in which only games can tell stories uh elden ring and immortality oh, yeah, are definitely yeah. up there um god of war will win because it's god of war yeah i think i mean i'm i've not finished god of war i'm really enjoying the story i loved forbidden west's story so yeah much. um yeah. some people did some people didn't um i thought the first it was going to be hard for the first game for this game to beat the first game narratively and it managed to do that in a way that i was very impressed with and i like that game a lot um i'd like yeah. it to win but i don't think it will i think god of war wins yeah um, i think if we were talking about the sony race god of war is taking over horizon almost every time yes um, so, yes yeah. uh game direction still don't get this one awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design you can't repeat the the the, the, the name of the thing in the description <laughs> that's cheating um elden ring god of war ragnarok christ from Bidden west immortality and stray it's like the the alternate game of the year <laughs> yeah it's like I immortality mean, could have gone in game of the year but we've subbed out plague tale for it so it's interesting isn't it like um it's game direction is such a weird thing because no one really knows what a game directed <laughs> is in it in it and like it changes depending on what type of game you're making right like i think tunic should probably be in this like the direction the single singular vision of tunic is like immortality is also similar like a lot of indie games are like this where you you basically just have one creative mind behind it and so i I honestly think out of all the the duff categories in this long list of duff categories this might be the most duff for me personally like it just it's so impossible to like define or have any idea what it actually means and right and i think that's just because the general audience doesn't understand what i don't think it's also like game direction is very different to film direction there's not a consistency to it it's like either you're leading a team of seven thousand at ubisoft or like and what's the creative cohesive vision behind that or you're like someone like hidetaka miyazaki on elden ring and the souls games where there's clearly a top-down vision but then everyone's kind of bought in versus immortality where it's like mainly one person directing but also a small team around them and then tunic where it's like literally one guy making it it's it's um it's so varied and different. But like, are there such things as great games with awful game direction? Uh, I, I if don't that know. Is, if that if the case is no, then the I don't see much point in this. Category, yeah, exactly. If you see yeah, where I'm coming from. Totally. Yeah, but, I know what you mean. It's yeah, it's it's kind of undefinable in a way. Yeah. Which is it's it's basically game of the year too. Exactly. Like, exactly, and that's why it's so pointless. But yes, yeah. Um, uh, I think because of the name recognition of Miyazaki and the way in which there is such an authorship to the design of Elden Ring, I think this takes game direction probably. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll give it God of War. Okay. Cool. Game of the year. We Here finally we made it. A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Xenoblade made it. I it made so, it. so... I am so it fucking... Look, it. it's it's never in a billion years going to win, but holy shit, I am so happy that Xenoblade 3 got recognized for this. It fucking deserves it. It's one of the best games I've ever played. It's my game of the year. It is incredible. I don't know why it wasn't nominated for best narrative, because it fucking is better than a lot of narratives this year. Like, it's it's so, so good. I would... Um, put, I would... <laughs> this is really hard. I think that people probably didn't beat the game, so couldn't uh-huh. make a full uh, decision about the narrative, yeah. and that's yeah, true. not great. But no, um, um, there you go. what are you going to do? It is a yeah. hundred-hour game, so 
uh yeah but i'm glad that the people who did vote for it did see fit to recognize it to to get to the number one spot and uh you know maybe it only scraped in at number six but i am so happy that it did make it in and the biggest win of all bally this is like a treat for everybody you know the game awards orchestra they always play music from the six nominees and um look elden ring banger main theme they're gonna have that god of war also i am so fascinated what they do with xenoblade i would love if they got two flautists and had two of them playing the flute like that would be fucking amazing um so i'm really interested what they do musically because there are so many directions you can go with what music you choose from xenoblade 3 but um yeah Um, very exciting i i whatsapp this to you but i said this is ever this category and plague tale requiem getting nominated is evidence of the the bias towards yes. certain types of games yep. for this category now i'll admit our our gaming circles my gaming circle that i listen to a lot did not touch on plague tale requiem a ton no which made me surprised now it could be that like it's clearly loads of other people love that game and that's why it's made it here but um it really proves that like there's a bias towards the narrative uh film yes. but a game category and yeah um that's a real shame uh because and yeah in its in its defense it's good that like four out of these six games arguably are very similar in certain yeah, styles exactly um and xenoblade and elden ring are the two standouts funnily enough the two japanese games you know i, like, I know yeah it's, it's, it's really fascinating that like there's a western cinematic narrative film-like bias um and it's a real shame and hopefully over time we can break that a bit more than we've managed to this year yeah like citizen sleeper deserves to be nominated here you know tunic deserves to be nominated here there are so many straight look straight as we said stray is a cat game people like the cats okay (laughs) and people love the game it's it look it i've not okay again i have not played stray it is not coming i've not played stray or played till requiem but i'm angry at both of them <laughs> yeah but not having played stray i know that that game holds no candle to tunic or to citizen sleeper or to neon white or to any of these other innovative genre pushing defining games that should be recognized in game of the year but it comes down to it at the end of the year as i always say it is a popularity contest that is what this is more so than anything uh, in terms of awards it's just what it is it's the outlets that vote it's how many people in that outlet had the time to play there's so many video games every year you have to choose you have to make these choices what are you going to play are you going to play elden ring or are you going to play neon white you're going to play elden ring right and that's the decision that gets made um, and that's what you've played the the, um, the sony western narrative genre we're talking about is also it's a great genre that is played amongst an entire team rather than yes. the driving game, the fighting yeah, game, exactly. the JRPG, the right. open world game even. Like the, yeah. there's like a They're broadly appealing, right? Which is the same appealing. as Marvel movies. Generally right? quite easy, you know, yeah. But I do find it interesting. I find it interesting that you look at stuff like the Oscars and a lot of the Oscar uh, movie nominees for best film are like not many people have heard of them right, right. like the it, it's an interesting thing that's where we'd love video games to get to I'm yes. not there yet. yes exactly um it's yeah it's it is and, just very much a money contest. and that's where i would argue jeff can finally tune and pick um the 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 voters slightly right. better than he currently does yeah and totally. i know it's out of his hands because the voters are ultimately picking but yeah he can go a little less mainstream arguably and there are ways in which in say five years time we could have tunic and 
um, say, I don't know, Cult of the Lamb, all in this category yeah. alongside Elden Ring and God of War. You know, like right. it doesn't have to be this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But um, I think, you know, people are like, oh, it's God of War versus Elden Ring. I think Elden Ring walks this without even sweating, frankly. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, God of War is a fantastic game. It has the recency bias behind it. It's just excellent on every technical narrative field. It's just excelling. But Elden Ring is some special source, you know? Like, it's, it, I think it just has, it has the kind of build-up, right, of years and years of this genre slowly becoming more and more mainstream, and you get to this point where they have made it open world, and they have, like, uh, opened it to a bigger audience. They just report it sold 17 million copies. This game is a bona fide hit, uh, and I think it is a super special game that, similar to something like Breath of the Wild versus, you know, Horizon when that came out, right? Like, one was innovating, one was kind of doing the same thing, and yeah. I think generally innovation gets rewarded in these awards more so than anything else and that is so. good look at it yeah. takes two last year yeah exactly yeah, as much as you're right the 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 less exciting games arguably sometimes yeah. get nominated i do think the winner at least for the most the last was part two we can go back and forth on how much innovation that yeah did sure. have, but like um yeah elder ring's gonna win i'm glad it's gonna win i still need to play elden ring sure yeah uh, but from what i've played it is still an incredibly impressive game and yeah i think arguably like these six games it's a good six i could have substituted that god knows how many for god knows how yeah. many other games but like overall if that's what the industry thinks is six great games for the year i'm i'm happy yeah look and i probably will play stray eventually i'll probably be like that was fun you know um so hey will you be like that should be nominated for game of the year? i don't know maybe i will bally who knows maybe i'll play stray and be like i guess we were wrong i guess it's the best game ever made you will, you'll it'll make you buy a cat it, may, it maybe does that you know it could have the power of guitar hero you know make yes. me actually buy a cat you know uh who knows it could be you life-changing a cat person um yeah but uh anyway that's that i think that's all the awards right um yes and uh yeah do you have any like thoughts of stuff that could get announced because that's the other part of the game awards oh great shout great shout um i think we see a breath of the wild 2 or i should say kingdom of tears tears of the kingdom (laughs) there we go just go through every iteration Um, before you get there kingdom of tears trailer with a bit like a more of a gameplay trailer yeah um, i think so and it might be a little bit longer a little bit more narrative because that game is supposedly coming out in may and i don't think unless they do it in their february direct or march direct there's not really space for another big big yeah there's not another like huge everyone's watching opportunity to show the game off so i really hope that they do show a trailer yeah uh, and that it gives us a bit more of a look at the game because we've just had small snippets for so long i think we might there's a chance sony would tempt us with like what is the big sony game next year is it going to be spider-man, Spider-Man? is I it going to actually come out next year um i think so they might te- show us a little bit of that um i don't know you got any predictions no not huge. There's no more smash think... brothers characters no exactly um man what if they showed persona 6 though that would be sick as hell uh i don't that's ever when gonna is, happen when do you think that's gonna come out oh i don't know 2034 like jesus they take atlas are so slow um yeah i uh i i would like to see a mario thing there like a new mario game uh if, if nintendo are gonna do anything i think it's mario or zelda um 
that that would be good an odyssey follow-up kind of reveal but i think they probably hold that and that might be a, a next year game um but we'll see yeah not a huge amount i just i'd really do want to see zelda and i think there's enough history with zelda at the game awards that i think it's definitely possible that that mm. happens um totally. but yeah we've been disappointed before you know nintendo oh sometimes gosh. come with stuff sometimes they have like not last year i believe they had absolutely nothing um uh, so that <laughs> yeah, was exactly. great because i know you stayed up for that when i went to sleep and then I watched did. it the next morning i, I was like well guess i didn't miss anything um yeah i've kind of fallen now that i have a son i am not going to be <laughs> no no of up. course not yeah um, uh i've fallen to the place where i'm like uh the game awards are the announcement side of it is always kind of underwhelming. Uh, it's the same as Summer Game Fest. Like, Jeff tends to like games that are like, here's a Dead Space like horror shooter, here's seven of them. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, all right, I guess that's what people buy these days. But I've, Was it a podcast that he was on recently? I think it was, it was on Kit and Christa's, actually, and he described yeah. some of the process. And it really just sounds like he just shouts out to all his contacts, says, hey, Who's got anything ready to show off? Yeah. And then a handful get back. Yeah. And that's it. Like, I, yeah. d- I don't actually think he's got all of the control that we maybe sometimes no, think. He no. does. It's very he, much I'm, just he, he shooting, probably knows, shooting the breeze. He probably knows everybody. He probably talks yeah, to everybody. Totally. But, um, yeah, his his control over it is, de- is you know... Everyone, everybody and everyone. <laughs> it comes down to whether people actually have anything to show. Exactly. Problem, so Exactly. Yeah and like we're still in like post-covid development cycles are getting longer yeah um you know a few big games have come out in awful states like cyberpunk and i think Uh that just all plays into like announcements are getting fewer and far between when it comes to the biggest top level stuff and that's probably what the game awards is about yeah exactly well that's that. I'm looking forward to watching it uh, the day after, probably in the morning when I wake up. Yeah. Uh, and, on 1.5 uh, speed. Exactly. And just skip all the <laughs> there ads. There we go. It's actually, that's the best way to watch it, is just watch it afterwards yeah. at a higher I th- speed. It's like, I think it's like the, the third quarter is just unbelievably packed with ads. <laughs> You're yep. just like, yep. kill me now. There uh-huh. are so many ads because they don't open it with too many ads. There's a handful. No. And then and the finale is normally like the orchestra, the game of the year, yeah. and that's fun. And there's maybe an announcement and there's a few ads, but that, that third there's, quarter. There's just so much fluff in that show. It's just not worth watching live, yeah. I don't think, anymore. Every so. year, Jeff is like, if there's one thing you could change, what would you change? And everyone always says, the length, and it never gets any yeah. shorter. <laughs> no, never does, never does. But what are you going to do? Um, all right, well, I think that's going to close us out for today's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we have some things to say and plug before we get on out of here. Uh, one of them is you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash this nintendo life and Bally, we have some supporters to thank yes we have a brand new patron andrew thank you so much for your support but thank you also to our ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk alan thank you all for your ten dollar tier support and thank you to all of our patrons uh it's all awesome that you just support the show and absolutely you know, keep our show on the road and mm-hmm. you know we we spend, that, we spend that money on video games you know we yeah. buy a lot of video games absolutely. and it's really great that um you support the show in that way so thank you so much appreciated greatly um you also can go and find us on various places on the internet if it is not shut down by the time this podcast comes out twitter still exists um and you can go there go to find us at tnl podcast um which we do updates on the show and stuff like that uh, when it's coming out uh, you can find me at lord nbz bally where can they find you i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 yes i i uh, just um i completed a battle pass 
for the oh first hell time. yeah um i nice. completed the overwatch battle pass i've never bought a battle pass in my life i've never had any interest in any battle pass ever i bought this one and i completed it and i'm very chuffed with myself are you gonna play as genji now now you have that mythic skin you know um, tempted yeah but genji's impossible to play is the problem look hanzo's pretty fucking hard to play as hanzo well is genji's hard. equally hard so yeah. i think you should try and play some genji you i know, need you to experiment more going. you are fair yeah. with that criticism for sure yeah yeah um cool uh you can find the show in various places we are on the internet uh, if you look for this nintendo life uh, you'll probably find us we're on stitcher we're on spotify you can review us on spotify we're also on apple Podcasts. you can review us on apple Podcasts. that would be highly appreciated um and uh, you can find us in any podcasting app if you search for this nintendo life you should show up you can subscribe to us come out every two weeks get new episodes it's great fun um and yeah we're, we're coming into the end of the year here bally uh so probably yeah. gonna be doing some game of the year stuff relatively soon um, got the three I, pillars back again yeah absolutely uh so i think is it next show yes I think we might be doing it. yeah uh so maybe you want to run run through it our next show we will be doing the famed game of the year that didn't actually come out this year it's a it's a, it's a tnl special yes it is indeed um with the most awkward name of all time um <laughs> Into the Aether did a little bit of this on their last year, and they called it Go Toy, which is Game of the Other Years. Oh, uh, which is interesting. That, it's that's, a nice, that's very a bit pithy. Than us, isn't but it? we're look, we are we dug this pit. All right, we're going to stay with this uh, <laughs> awkward naming scheme for as long as we can. So. I've already made my top ten. Oh shit! Yeah, very excited. Very excited. Um, yeah, so that'll be our old games, and then the show after that will be our top five games of the year. So, Bally, do we want people to uh, to write in, maybe, and give us some of their games of the year? Yeah, give your go tea lists. Uh, we want the games of the year that didn't come out this year. We want your Nintendo lists, and we want your Nintendo lists. And if you want to put them all together, you can do that. But if you want to separate them, you can also do that. And we'll hopefully read out a few lists. And it's nice to know what the, what the listeners actually feel about the year. Because it's not yeah. just about me and MBZ over here playing all the crap. We need other people's opinions on what what's hot this year and what's not exactly yes um, so yeah like like you were saying next show game of the year that didn't come out this year the show after that we've got game of the year you said top five we're probably going to do a top 10 again because we've got so many games this sure year. yeah and then in the middle of those two shows is our patreon show and that's going to be our non-tender game of the year so obviously a year with Elden Ring, god of war uh horizon like there's a lot of games to talk about in that category as well yeah, absolutely. Um, and where could people send their list, Bally, if they would like to participate? Please send your list to thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. Fantastic. You can also post your list in our Discord and the emails thread and, you know, links to our Discord and our YouTube channel, all that stuff are in the description. So you can go ahead, check that stuff out. Um, yeah, I think that is pretty much it. Um, I think we're we're doing okay i hope i don't i'm ill i'm not ill another time before christmas but we'll see bali i might have to just stay indoors and coop myself up for a little bit you mean it might only be my participation in the game of the year list and i can yeah. pick every single game that i want yeah. in that list not you yeah exactly a, a list that doesn't have xenoblade 3 oh yeah, yeah i mean I don't know. <laughs> so now i can stand a world like that if i'm frank um but um yeah, get ready, Bally, because uh, yeah, you're, we're going to have to have some good, interesting discussions. Okay, uh, I, think, on I look show. forward to it. Yeah, forward uh, to it. it will be good fun, and I'm sure. Was our game of the year last year? I think. What was it? Was it Metroid uh, Dread? It was Eastwood. It, it was Eastwood. We were, we made the right choice. Yeah. And the yeah. year before that was. Uh, it was the Ori year? I yeah, think Ori and Hades. And then yeah. Before that, I think might have been Luigi's Mansion Three. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, we've yeah. look, we've got some good fucking games for Great the game games. of the year. Great um, games. So yeah, it's always a good time. 
So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time to kick off that process. But until then, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you very soon. Bye-bye, folks. musical interludes used on today's show were the field theme and the team star boss battle theme both from pokemon scarlet and violet copyright game freak the pokemon company uh creatures inc i guess nintendo maybe who fuck knows who owns pokemon or copyrights any music these i, I don't know anyway uh 2022 i guess